Hey, wrestling fans, if you're listening to this, you're listening to the latest episode of the Wrestling Time Machine podcast. Before we dive into the show, Leith and I want to give you a chance to figure out where you can find us on social media. You can follow the Wrestling Time Machine podcast on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the Wrestling Time Machine. You can follow the Wrestling Time Machine podcast on Twitter. The at handle is at W-R-E-S-T-L-T-I-M-M-A-C-H. You can also just search the Wrestling Time Machine podcast on Twitter. You can follow the Wrestling Time Machine podcast on Tumblr. If you want to be a part of the show and let us know what you're watching or what you think of a particular event we're about to watch, you can email the show at thewrestlingtimemachine at gmail.com. We will read your emails live on the show. You can also donate to the show. You can help support us at kofi.com, that's ko-fi.com, forward slash the wrestling time machine. Want to get some merch for your donation? You can support the show by finding us on TeePublic under Bobby F07. It's all lowercase. We have a couple shirts up there. We always have more uh, coming up. You can leave us a review on iTunes if you want to help support the show for free. That really helps us out. That means more people see us, and that means we get to have more cool guests on. You can also check out the other shows that we do at nerdfixstrangers.com forward slash listen, including Nerdfix Strangers and Pokemon Mind and Body. Leith, where can people find you on the internet? You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, both of those are now at Leith underscore Gray. That's L-I-A-T-H underscore G-R-E-Y. Mm-hmm. I have a uh, silly toy blog, the Dinosaur Toy Adventure on Instagram as well. Dinosaur underscore toy underscore adventure. And if you are interested and you search Leith Gray on Amazon, I have two short stories available at the moment, uh, Talia and Anna's Obsession. They're a dollar apiece. And that's about it. (laughs) (laughs) So check those out. You can follow me on Twitter at SpaceKingBobby. You can also follow me on Tumblr at SpaceKingBobby's blog, SpaceKingComics.com. And I think with that, I think we can start the show. Welcome, wrestling fans, to the latest episode of the Wrestling Time Machine podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Bobby Fisher, and joining me, as always, in 1995, is my co-host, Leith Gray. Hello. Hello. And also joining us this cool December evening is the proletariat boar of Moldova. Hey, it's me. Hey, it's Pig Daddy Cool, live and in your house. I'm in your house. (laughs) But not not really, right? No, no. (laughs) I'd probably be in the fridge. (laughs) The pork is coming from inside the house. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, we're here tonight. Seems like I got a little bit of the hiccups. Excuse me. Oh, it's good. We're professionals on this show. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. 
It's going to be a long contagious. night, everyone. It is. I might need to get some water. Oh, dear. Uh, but uh, while I'm getting some water, Boar, what have you been up to, up to since we last <laughs> recorded? Uh, dodging the hiccups. <laughs> and besides that, uh, I was at a show in Palton, Virginia, right outside Richmond, uh, for that old juke joint, Lucas Calhoun. And uh, we did a show in conjunction with uh, the fourth grade elementary class at the school, and it was just a really awesome and special show. Oh, that's really um, cool. Yeah, definitely one of the coolest shows I've ever been on. Um, it was a real joy and a treat to be part of that. Um, so that was an experience I'll never forget. And then the next night I was at PCW in West Virginia uh, going up against Bobby Shields. Uh, first time working with Bobby Shields. So uh, didn't win the title, but uh, had a good experience. Made lots of merch money, which is always important. Uh, and getting ready for December 27th. Very cool. And what do we have going well, on is. on December yeah. 27th? Don't, just, don't leave I'll us hanging. I'll be at Flying V. How to keep you guys engaged. Uh, I'll be at Flying <laughs> V uh, for uh, the hardest part of the ring, uh, which I will not be bumping on. Ever. <laughs> um, uh, and then I will be going up against uh, big, uh, big Alexander James. Going to be going to be a match of uh, two TV body guys. Two big boys going at it. What I like to call those matches are semi-truck matches. Because it's just going to be two big hosses colliding in the ring. Oh, it, it, yeah, it won't be pretty. Yeah. won't be pretty. It's always fun. Well, that, that sounds like a lot of fun. And shout out to, to that old juke joint, Lucas Calhoun. We're actually uh, in the process of scheduling him for a future show. So we look forward to that, and everybody should. Oh, go, that'll be great! Yeah, everybody should go check out uh, Lucas Calhoun. Great wrestler, great performer. He is he is just fantastic in the ring. Leith, what about you? What what have you been up to? I know you recently went to a show. A show. Pax. I would call that a con, sir. Well. Con show, <laughs> tomato, tomato. Yeah, I went to uh, Pax Unplugged over the weekend in Philadelphia. Uh, it's a, for those who don't know, it's mostly like board games and card games and all of that fun stuff. It is connected sort of to to the other Pax, which is all video games. Mm-hmm. Um. I ran into Big Calyx there, so that was cool. You made he's it out menacing. alive. Yeah, he, I mean, he's menacing, but he I... He made I it in he, alive. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think he understands that, you know, I have the the res- proper respect for the Proteus wheel, so <laughs> I, I tend to survive my encounters with them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very cool. See any, see any cool games or, or anything fun there? Oh yeah, there's tons of great stuff. You could like demo like everything. Um I had to do a I'd say I'd do a big shout out for SRG Universe. Mm-hmm. Uh they do a wrestling game called Super Show. Ooh, cool. It's it's so much fun. I've been playing it for like 
years now. I have, like, so many different decks, and they had a special set there, and I think they're selling it online as well for Matthew Travis. Oh. So you can buy his yeah. cards, and um, the proceeds are going to his family. Well, that's cool. So that's wonderful. That's yeah. Great. I was, yeah. like, breaking down. It was terrible. <laughs> I didn't know. I wasn't. I had no idea ahead of time that they were doing that. So when I went to the stand and I was asking, because I knew they had the, the one card for him, and I was asking about it, and he sent, like, showed me this set and told me what they were doing, I just started, like, crying. The guy, like, gave me a hug and everything. I'm like, oh, that was ridiculous. I, I, I think that's a situation you would be forgiven for ugly crying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was rough. Yeah. And but it was, it's such such a good cause. So everybody should go out and buy, like, Buy them out of stock, seriously. Yeah, and just the deepest condolences to his to his family, his friends, and his fans. That's what happened there is is very unfortunate. And one of the the most amazing things with that whole thing they're doing with SRG is they said that their their current champion she won with the Matt Travis deck, so Matt Travis is their champion that's for cool. SRG. Yeah, that's that's really neat. Uh, I was like, that's that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, I've seen I've seen nothing but like an outpouring of support from the community for for Matt Taven and his family. Travis or Travis, I'm so I'm Terrible. so sorry, Matt Travis. Oh, he's he's an, a really awesome dude. Yeah. We talked to talked to him multiple times. He's always just super respectful, super nice, mm-hmm. very positive person. Yeah. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And again, condolences. It's but uh we soldier on. Uh I'm glad you had a, a fun time at, at PAX and I I'm definitely very curious about uh SRG. That's something I'm gonna have to maybe check out. Yeah, you go to SRGUniverse.com. They have all kinds of stuff. It's like it's the the setup for the games is really fun. Yeah. It's it's Partially like strategic, but partially luck based because it does have a, a dice. Sure. Yeah. Throw kind of aspect to it. Um, they have wrestlers from like all different promotions that you can play as. Like I mm-hmm. have like I have Drew Gulak. I have <laughs> <laughs> um, Anthony Gangone. I had now I have the Matthew Travis. I have. Uh, Kenny Omega, like, there's so many different people that you can yeah. play as that you can't in, like, any of, like, you know, like, the WWE games. Mm-hmm. I, I do like me a good card game. Once upon a time, your boy was uh, pretty into Magic the Gathering. And, uh... That was I have a so Popper Zoo deck, so... <laughs> I was... Uh, I, I'm still pretty into Magic. I, I ran a primarily, like, black and blue deck with uh one of my favorite cards that I that I would use because like it was really hard for me to pare down my deck to like a 60 card deck. Oh right? dear. <laughs> so one of the cards I, I got uh real early on for my deck was Reliquary Tower which uh grants you like you have no maximum hand size. Oh jeez. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, <laughs> like it it does that and it also acts as like a colorless mana. So that's pretty cool. I used to play, is it Standard Zoo? I think it was Standard. 
Because, yeah. like, in my family, you're, like, you gotta be, like, hardcore. There is no casual gameplay here. Sure. Like, you, you're playing the actual, like, like, you're playing either standard, or you're playing, like, the new, like, newer formats, like, modern. We played EDH. Um, but I, my favorite deck was always the zoo. And mm-hmm. when they came out with the, the popper format, I'm like, I'm not, like, I, I told, like, my husband, I'm like, I'm not playing magic again until I can play the zoo again. And they've made a, like, popper zoo. So oh, I'm cool. in. Yeah. I tried <laughs> to, I, be back. <laughs> I, I tried to get my wife into magic and she just could not do it. It was not up her alley. And I don't really have anybody that I play with uh, much anymore. Uh, but uh, I still at least have my deck. Nice. Yeah, and I I like running a primarily black and blue deck. It's pretty fun. Uh, how about you, I, Boar? I'm just like for aggro. Sorry. Sorry, Boar. You're not on our show anymore. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're just talking about magic for the rest of the night. Yeah, that's what this became. This is a Magic <laughs> the Gathering podcast because we're nerds. All I know about Magic the Gathering is they sponsored the 1999 Unforgiven pay-per-view. <laughs> really? And, and that's about it. That is fascinating. I cannot... Uh, that's... Wow. Uh, I would definitely recommend checking out uh, some Magic the Gathering. It might be a fun thing to do, like, on the road or, or back in the back when you're, you know, waiting to go out there and, and put some hooves to... Hooves to butts, as it were. Uh, Magic the Gathering is is quite a lot of fun. Uh, I, as far as like what I've been up to this week, I didn't get to go to like a cool fun convention like Leith or anything. But uh, I have been working on Crimbus stuff. Uh, got uh, got my wife's presents done. Actually made her something this year, so I'm very very happy with that. Got them done and wrapped them as best I could. I'm not very good at wrapping presents. Uh, and just been playing some Red Dead Redemption 2. Now that they've got the uh, online sort of like uh, character roles or professions that you can do, I've started finally the collector role. So you're going out and finding all sorts of like hidden treasures and everything. So that's been a lot of fun. And that's been about all I've been up to lately here. And before we uh, dive into November of 1995, uh, of course, I do want to take a moment to promote something. This will be pretty cool to keep an eye out for. Friend of the show uh, on Twitter, Adam, uh, at Ginger Pimpernel, who also runs the Wrestling No Context Twitter page is going to be doing a big charity event. And he's a really cool dude, and he runs a a really great page. And uh, we want to take a moment to promote this event because it's a really good cause. Uh, He's going to have a streaming sort of uh, like video game charity drive, and it's going to be a Fire Pro Wrestling Marathon on the 14th and 15th of March, at least 12 hours each day. And it'll be done with the promoter mode in Fire Pro Wrestling with a roster built around uh, favorite wrestlers from the Wrestling Without Context Twitter account. And they do have some uh, very cool guests coming on. Jayla Dark, 
who is a retired professional wrestler, former pro wrestler for Pro Wrestling Eve and Ice Ribbon, Emily Hayden, who is the current W3L Women's Champion, Jean Money, who is a breakout English star of multiple uh, United Kingdom promotions and a very funny man, Sugar Dunkerton, uh, I'm, I'm somewhat familiar with uh, Sugar, uh, Addie Star, who's a Canadian queen of Lego death matches. That would that's rough if you get slammed on some Legos. Boar, have you ever been slammed on Legos? Um, I was in a match involving Legos, and my leg came into incidental contact with a Lego, and oh, man. it was not kind. Yeah. So hopefully, first first time, last time. <laughs> if you had to pick, would you rather do, say, a Lego bump or thumbtacks? Oh, Legos. Legos? Okay. Yeah, yeah no sharps here. I, I, think I, can, I think I can understand that. I would do either, because I'm that hardcore. <laughs> both. Just both, and then set them on fire. I'm good to go. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's... Can you even light a Lego? Who knows? <laughs> we'll find out. I'm sure they'll melt at least. Yeah, you can only you can only really have like one WWF stack down inferno match. The set's <laughs> the set's pretty much gone after that. Uh, they also are going to have Aisha Raymond, uh, who is the current GWF Women's Champion and a May Young Classic competitor, and David Arquette. Former WCW World Heavyweight Champion. What a get. And star of the hit movie Ready to Rumble, David Arquette. Uh, the charity itself is for the Beatson Cancer Charity, which funds treatment and support for patients at the Beatson Cancer Ward in Glasgow, Scotland. And if anyone wants to find out more about the charity stream, they can contact Adam at Ginger Pimpernel on Twitter or at uh, the Wrestling Without Context Twitter, and that handle is uh, W-R-E-S-N-O, uh, and then the word context. And uh, the charity has its own website, which is Beatson cancercharity.org Beatson is spelled B-E-A-T-S-O-N So check out Beatson Charity eh, Beatson cancercharity.org uh, for more information on the actual charity and it would be really cool if everybody could help spread the word and uh, get the word out about that and go check it out if you're interested because that's a really great cause and we also have a listener question, I believe, for Boar. This comes to us from friend of the show, Leo London, who wanted to know how long it, did it take for, for Boar, how long did it take for you to learn English, both as you know, a, a Boar and somebody who grew up in a, in a different country, Moldova? Uh, well, English is actually the second language of Moldova, so uh, oh. yeah, it's, it's very natural okay very cool so pick that up uh pretty easy then i'd imagine basically a birth well that's good that's good uh leith do we have any other listener questions on your end i have one from at frito bandit Ooh. if you would like absolutely I like the frito bandit 
Frito yeah. Bandit's cool. Shout out to Frito Bandit. What was the brown morning of Belarus supposed to be? Boar? Polar bear? Pun X-Pac? Sexy Az- Azerbaijan guy? I get, but him? That that was how the question read. Go for it. Uh, <laughs> all I know was that he was supposed to be my bump machine because I was not going to take too many bumps. So <laughs> as far as what exactly he was, not sure. But his purpose, to uh, save my bump card. <laughs> okay. Well, there we go. Now, I do have a, a question for for my uh, daughter. Oh, uh, okay. And uh, she still refers to herself as cat number five. The, the title given to her by Danger Jameson many moons ago, which she always goes back to. Um, she wants to know why she's the only cat that you won't hurt. Uh, because I know mom and cat would beat me up. Good answer. <laughs> That's a pretty good answer. <laughs> and also a true one. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a very good answer. <laughs> All right. Well, everybody, if, if this is your first time joining us, we want to we wanna welcome you. Of course, what we do here on the Wrestling Time Machine podcast is we go through and we have a month of wrestling to dissect uh, company by company. And right now we're going to be covering the World Wrestling Federation as it was known then, or as it's known now, World Wrestling Entertainment, in November of 1995. All and, right. All right. So we, we hope you'll, you'll join us for this. It's always a lot of fun. So let's start with the first week of results, which is something I actually managed to spell right this time on this month's documents. Hmm. Uh, so with that, uh, let's see here. We have WWE Monday Night Raw, November 6, 1995. The Nielsen rating is a 2.6. And compared to WCW Monday Nitro that same night, it's a 0.6 more. The venue is the Keystone Center in Brandon, Manitoba, Canada. That uh, mystical land of the north, Canada, as we we talked about on our last episode. And our match results include a singles match, the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith, with Jim Cornette defeating Marty Jannetty. A singles match, Henry O. Godwin versus Terry Richards, ended in a no contest. A singles match, the Supreme Fighting Machine, comma, with Ted DiBiase defeating Tony Roy. And your main event is a tag team match. Dr. Isaac Yankum, DDS, and Jerry Lawler defeating the team of Bret Hart and Hakushi with Barry Horowitz via disqualification. So any thoughts on this uh, first week of Monday Night Raw results? Uh, overall, not so much. <laughs> for, for me personally, it was like, Kind of a slow start, I guess, to the to the month comparatively. Okay. I mean, anytime you get Hakushi and Barry Horowitz together is fun, and then uh, Terry Richards, who is Rhino, so that was kind of like that was kind of neat to see him oh, before really? Rhino. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So 
So, yeah, that's always fun. I like when that happens and you see somebody with a, a different name and you're like, this person looks familiar. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, this seemed to be uh, wrapping up a little bit of the loose ends from even still the summertime. I mean, we have the Jerry Lawler and Isaac Yankum tag match with Brett and Hakushi. Um, mm-hmm. So kind of wrapping things up, trying to get ready for Survivor Series. Um, that's what I really took away from this Raw. Okay, okay. Some very good uh, opening thoughts. Let's hit the uh, play-by-play up here. So the, the broadcast opens. We actually get a last week on Raw segment to open the show up, giving us some highlights of the week prior. And we get to see that powerhouse of a man, Ahmed Johnson, body-slamming Yokozuna. No easy feat. Uh, Bor, do you, do you think you could uh, muster the power to body slam someone the size of Yokozuna? If we're going to call what Ahmed Johnson did a body slam, then yes. <laughs> yes. Fair enough. At least, at least to the level of Ahmed Johnson. Yeah. I mean, in his defense, Yokozuna is close to, if not over 600 pounds at this point. That's... No easy task. That's a lot to be moving. Yeah. Uh, We also get a a preview of what's going to happen this week on Raw, which is kind of like an interesting idea because it kind of gives away the taped nature of the entire uh, episode. Any any thoughts on that, guys? I thought it was worth a try. Like, it's something different. It's It's not uncommon to see on TV... Uh, I know they always gave it like the Mel the Melrose uh, Mel- Melrose place pitch of like, yeah. next week on Mel- Mel- Melrose place. This is what you'll see. So um, I think it, as a child at the time, it kind of worked. I was looking forward to what I was going to see. I didn't really think about it necessarily being old. Okay, okay, Leif, Any any thoughts on this segment? Not particularly. Okay. To be honest, it, it didn't really like phase me one way or the other. All right, fair enough. So we uh, get our standard uh, Monday Night Raw helicopter rooftop opening, and the British Bulldog with Jim Cornette is out to face Marty Jannetty. Vince and Doc Hendricks join us at ringside, and Vince is asking Doc Hendricks where Jerry Lawler is. Doc says that Lawler, of course, is scheduled for tag team action in the main event that night, and he saw Lawler backstage with Isaac Yankum getting his teeth cleaned. Probably still trying to wash the taste of foot out of his mouth, as it were. Uh, And Clarence Mason (laughs) had faxed over a memorandum to Gorilla Monsoon, the interim WWF president, and British Bulldog is going to be getting a shot at the winner of Bret Hart and Diesel at the next In Your House event in December. So British Bulldog getting his due once again, this time in December, and possibly against a different opponent. Stay tuned. Uh, The British Bulldog takes Gennetti's head off with a big clothesline and Cornette's on the outside, attacking Marty Gennetti after he gets, uh, you know, shoved to the outside. Marty Gennetti's actually pretty over here. Uh, We get some pretty, uh, pretty... high-volume Marty chants from the crowd. Uh, and Marty gets a diving hangover neckbreaker, which is pretty cool. Kind of like a, a blockbuster 
uh, what uh, Buff Bagwell would go on to use, but with the opponent's back facing Janetti instead of, like, front-facing him. And, of course, the Bulldog wins with his patented sort of running power slam, sometimes called an Oklahoma slam. And we cut to the Bill Clinton impersonator, Timothy Waters, saying he'll be attending... It wasn't the real Bill Clinton? I'm sorry, that was a working Bill Clinton. Oh, man. You're ruining the illusion. Yeah, that was that was a working Bill Clinton. All right. I wonder if he had to decide if the real Bill Clinton would pick WCW or WWE. Oh. Hmm. These are the questions that need to be asked. <laughs> I don't know. Being being from Arkansas, he's probably a good old boy. He's probably into some wrestling. I would think so. Yeah, he he's probably a WCW guy, if if I had to guess. But uh, he says he'll be attending Survivor Series, and there's an anti-war sign at ringside. Uh, Doc Hendricks is interviewing Jim Cornette, and Jim Cornette addresses the wild card foolishness that we're going to see at Survivor Series. And Jim Cornette promises that if Shawn Michaels double-crosses the British Bulldog, Syracuse is going to look like a walk in the park, you know, when he was attacked by uh, 40 Marines. And, oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, we uh, cut to Bret Hart and Barry Horowitz and Hakushi in the back, sort of str- strategizing, you know, what the plan is going to be that night. And we get some highlights of a Jerry Lawler interview with Goldust that's being interrupted by Bam Bam Bigelow from Superstars. And they promise us that we're going to see Goldust versus Bam Bam Bigelow set for Survivor Series. And that takes us to our next match, Henry O. Godwin versus Terry Richards. We see some highlights of Hunter trying to get an assistant to steal Henry O. Godwin's slop this past weekend on Superstars. And a, a slop drop from Henry nets the victory form over Terry Richards. And Hunter is out, and he attacks Godwin, he pedigrees Godwin on the outside, and... Mm. Hunter manages to to get away. Now, Boar, again, you're you're a you're a pig here. Do you, do you have any strong thoughts on on the Godwins or Henry O. Godwin? I was always taught that it was wasteful to uh, throw away food like that. So ah. I was not a fan of the Hog Man trying to slop Mr. Helmsley. Yeah, it's a that's a waste of good good slop. It's a good dinner right there. Yeah. It's so weird to me that, like, they keep trying to push Godwin in, like, this era. It's like, I feel like, like Vince just really liked seeing people get slopped or something. I mean, I can't say I blame him. It is entertaining. Because he, like, he's, like, such a th- throwback gimmick to, like, what we started with and everything's sort of changing, but you still have Godwin out slopping people. It, it it is a very like old older gimmick, but uh, you know I, like we're we're kind of moving away from everybody having a a second job like their shoot job <laughs> is their work job kind of thing. So it just it, it's it's an odd one for me to yeah. like still see that happening. Okay, 
That's, I mean, that's a that's a totally valid point. It is, you know, we're right in, we're, I mean, we're almost in sort of a golden age with that sort of like sh- uh, second job gimmick here in the mid '90s, still even. I mean, you've got Diesel, who's a truck driver, Undertaker, who's... but they don't really like play up on that aspect of Diesel. You don't think? It's like, that's just his name, because he's, he's, like, big. Mm. Like, that's how yeah, it comes he across. He embodies like, a, a truck. He yeah. embodies a truck. Okay. He's not... It's like, you don't really have too many people, like... They may have had second jobs at the start, but that's kind of dropped off, and now most of the people are just kind of their their own person, and they're all wrestlers, but then Godwin's a total throwback. Mm. And then Isaac Yankum would be the other one, but obviously that should shift soon right <laughs> well and again you, you also have the undertaker right who's an undertaker we've well, got but is he i, I mean was... he does he, they don't ever play up on that either he's just like you I'm, know i'm sorry did we miss he's... like all the casket matches he's ever had and buried alive i, I literally always read it as he is undead he's not okay. an actual undertaker he just kills people <laughs> because he's undead. Hmm. But maybe that's just my like childhood like thoughts on his character growing up. I mean, I'm not sure. It's kind I, of. I like. I, I guess I never, I never really viewed him as being like an actual undertaker. Just that he had mystical powers because he was like undead. I yeah, he's like you know not a zombie or a vampire he is the undertaker okay okay own own version of being some undead creature fair enough I'm trying to think who else we have at this time who who also has a second job duke the dumpster drosy still hanging is, around is he yeah. still around yeah I mean, yeah we haven't we haven't seen him in a little while but he was yeah. uh comma his his whole second job is ultimate fighter <laughs> Uh, Another one they don't play up on. <laughs> he just kind of wears the stuff at this yeah. point. Um, let's see. Who who else would have sort of like a second job at this point? Uh, I don't know. Is Rich Guy a second job? No, that's just a generic gimmick. <laughs> okay. okay, okay. Um, is Rich Guy, Pretty Boy, nah. Scott right Hall is a Scarface impersonator in his spare time. <laughs> uh... J- uh, Jeff Jarrett and the roadie, country music star and roadie. Uh, of course, they're they're MIA at this point. Uh, but uh, that's why it's like not standing out to me so much. Most of the people kind of Dean Douglas. Yeah, I always thought Dean Douglas was a good one, though. It had potential. It did. They 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 seem to throw those ones in there every so often. It's like they they always try to have that like kind of intellectual with like like a degree mm. of some kind. Right. You had uh, Chris Nowinski like, and Matt Stryker. Matt Stryker. And yeah. Sandow, yeah. Uh, it's like every every so often they'll throw in one of those kind of gimmicks. Yeah. So I think those are some of the. Only other secondary gimmicks right now, but we have also seen The Goon and T.L. Hopper. Uh, We've seen both of them this year. 
hockey player and plumber, respectively. <laughs> Classic, every one of them. Uh, there's definitely there's definitely a shift at this point where there's less of those kinds of gimmicks and more just people being people kind of gimmicks. I don't know how to explain it. No, I I, I <laughs> totally. Not, I'm get not good you. at like the like they they don't need another job. They they're kind of just different personalities. It, you know, I agree. A lot of those characters have started to be uh, weeded out by this point. Yeah, I mean, there, again, Leith's right. There is definitely a shift happening at this time. Uh, Boar, have you have you ever had to wrestle somebody whose uh, character was also their second job? Uh, let me think. Hmm. I wrestled uh, Thunderfrog. Thunderfrog. So. Okay. Yeah. Uh, um. He was a. Uh, he was he was a, a farmer though he was farmer frog. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Well, I we need to go back and watch like old Shikara at some point. Yeah. Which not the only one that's jumping out. Yeah. Which anybody can do if you sign up for Chikara Topia. Go do that. Uh, only seven. Yeah, we have a. Yeah. We have, I think, two good singles matches. I usually don't compliment my own work, but I think we have two good singles matches, one from Chicago and one from Brooklyn? Somewhere in New York City. Mm. I think it's Brooklyn. Does, and we does got in Oleg trouble for that one. As having a second job? Because isn't Oleg kind of like a, a Viking usurper type guy? Barbarian. I suppose so. Kind of works, almost. That, I don't know. That would Whatever. be a really cool <laughs> idea for a shirt, is like uh, Conan the Barbarian sort of like comic book cover, but mm. with Oleg, and yeah, that would be great. I would buy that in a heartbeat. Uh, Oleg's pretty cool. Everybody should go check out Oleg the Usurper. Uh, but, I mean, those those are some great examples. And, uh, yeah, everybody go check out Chikaratopia. Only $7.99 a month. And you get all all the access. Cobalt's a prince. That kind of works. <laughs> he's a, yeah, but he's a, he's a self-crowned prince. No, no, he, he's a real prince. To be fair, I don't, think anybody, I don't think anybody wants to claim Cobalt's throne. Uh, mostly because it's porcelain. <laughs> but we do love us some cobalt. Shop cobalt6.com. Yes, go do that. <laughs> Great Christmas presents. Great holiday presents. So I, I think I'm still on there. I haven't <laughs> checked it in a while. So getting back to the broadcast, uh, after uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley slips in the slop, we get a WWF WrestleMania arcade game commercial. Any any experience with uh, wrestling arcade games? Um, I do remember this video game. Um, I was a fan. I thought the graphics were incredible, um, but I didn't like the Mortal Kombat style. Yeah, they kind of did that like Mortal Kombat, uh, that sort of thing that you saw a lot with Super NES games in the '90s, where it was like actual like photo models. 
that yeah. were animated, and that was cool, but, like, they definitely really played on the whole, like, Mortal Kombat aspect of it, which can be fun for some games. Yeah, I, w- I was never much for the arcade-style game. Mm. Okay, Leith, any any thoughts on that? You're You're a bit of a gamer. I am, but, like... I haven't played too many wrestling games because I'm terrible at them. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> so we then get uh, we get a preview of the upcoming Survivor Series brought to us by Milton Bradley Karate Fighters. Uh, anybody got me? Ex- like, sorry, go ahead, Leah. They're like the were they like the Rock'em Sock'em? Yeah, they were kind of like kinda? they were kind of like you know bringing it back to Mortal Kombat, they were kind of like Mortal Kombat-themed Rock'em Sock'em robots. I thought. Yeah. I think my co- I think my cousin had a set of them growing up. Gotcha. Yeah. They seem like alright. I never really got those kinds of toys. It's not my style. Mm. Now, the, uh, the Masters of the Universe uh, style wrestling ones I kind of want to get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those those do look pretty cool. I'm very much into those. Uh, Bore, any any experience with Milton Bradley Karate Fighters? Uh, just a battle here and there. Nothing too extensive. Nothing too, yeah. Okay, okay. Well, we, uh, we get Todd Pettengill talking to us about the upcoming Survivor Series, and there's a giant, what looks like a crushed velvet portrait of Doc Hendricks in the background of this set, <laughs> <laughs> which is just great. Doc Hendricks is, ac- is absolutely the kind of guy who would commission a crushed velvet portrait of himself. Well. <laughs> a deep, deep, deep. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Bad Street USA. So <laughs> Todd lets us know that King Mabel has issued a challenge to the Undertaker, and Undertaker has answered the challenge and he's going to cap he's going to captain his own dark side team, which is basically just all the members of the Bone Street crew. It's <laughs> uh Undertaker, Fatu, Henry O. Godwin and Savio Vega versus King Mabel's team, known as the Royals, which is going to be King Mabel, Jerry the King Lawler, Hunter Hurst Helmsley, and Dr. Isaac Yankum, DDS. And uh, Todd, with the perfect pun, says that Dr. Isaac Yankum is the king of crowns. Hmm. That's good. Yes. Dental puns. Surely that will win the Monday Night Wars. <laughs> Todd says that everyone is wondering what the Undertaker's face is going to look like, considering that it was literally squashed several weeks ago. Uh, and uh, we, well, we're going to get that answer in a couple weeks with Paul Bearer and the Undertaker, and we get a Diesel promo. He says that Gorilla Monsoon has set the stipulations. There's no countout, no time limit, and no disqualification. And that this is going to be the third time the two will meet. Todd says that Diesel is going to represent the new WWF generation and that Bret Hart is a superstar who's been wrestling for over a decade. He promises an interview next week uh, face-to-face with uh, Diesel and Bret Hart. And at that point, we cut to Kama with Ted DiBiase coming out, 
And uh, Barry Dudinsky is helping shill some stuff for the holiday season. If you call uh, the specified number, you can get all 1,000 mat caps for only $21 plus shipping and handling. Such a deal. Uh, such a looks deal. Like a, looks like every parent's dream. Right? Mm-hmm. To have. Pogs. Oh, man. Y'all remember Pogs? Because with this, you're also going to get two, count them, two Prism Slammers. Oh, man. I don't think I ever had any Pogs. I never understood how that game was supposed to work. But yeah, me either. <laughs> My husband used to, like, hustle kids. <laughs> yeah, you, you had mentioned that once, <laughs> once or twice, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was pretty ridiculous with it. But that, that's just how he is with games. I'm just imagining... He's just going to destroy everybody and uh, hustle kids in the streets and take their pogs. I'm just imagining <laughs> your husband showing up to where some kids, just like all wholesome, they got the, the rosy cheeks and freckles <laughs> and everything, and they're like, we're going to play some pogs, it's going to be great. And your husband shows up and he's got, you know, like a newsboy cap on and a cigarette, <laughs> you know, flipping a quarter, just leaning up against the wall. He knows what he knows the score. <laughs> Does your oh husband goodness. still have his pog collection? He has some of them, yes. I've seen I've seen some. I had some of mine as well cuz I I just collected them. I didn't play the game. Mm. I've always yeah. been more of a a collector type person. That's why I like Pokemon. <laughs> like, I can remember Pogs, and then there was another game that was real similar. I think it was, like, Crazy Bones or something. Oh, okay. I kind of I kind of yeah. know what you're talking about. Yeah, I remember both of those. And, again, it was like, here's all this stuff you can buy. There's supposed to be a game, but heck if we know how it's supposed to work. Yeah, my, my mom, like... She remembers from, like, back in the day when, like, they used to take, like, the milk caps, like, the insert of, like, the milk caps. That's what, like, the original Pog was. Right. And that's where it, like, all, like, stemmed from. And she's like, I remember doing that. But they were, like, free because it's like you just bought the your actual milk and then yeah. you'd have the, the cap to, like, play with. Old toys Th- those were silly. the th- Those were the toys you had in, like, what would have been, like, late 40s? Why not? Yeah. And so I think she kind of hated having to pay, like, money for, like, the fancy <laughs> version. <laughs> like... <laughs> you know, back in my day, these things didn't have characters, and you got them just, for free. Yeah. They just came with your milk. When the milkman delivered your milk, you had your little, like, cap thing you could play with. I'm sorry you didn't have Pokemon, Mom. <laughs> Uh, this is this is why I didn't grow up with like like I got toys at Christmas and my birthday and everything else I had to save my money for. <laughs> oh no! Right? See. They they did they did do McDonald's toys, so I had like a lot of those because mm. it came with food, so therefore right. it was worth it. Mm. Like yep. one of those things, like they could spend the money because it was technically the toy was free. Yeah. Yeah, because if there's one thing it's hard to do, it's get a kid to eat a cheeseburger or a chicken. Well, I, I actually wouldn't. The first cheeseburger I had was when I was like 
18 or 19. Really? Oh, that's yeah, a run. I didn't, I didn't want them. I don't know. They weirded me out. <laughs> I'm a weird person. Whatever. Like, okay. I had sushi before I had a cheeseburger. Wow. Yeah. Fascinating. We are learning all kinds of stuff tonight. <laughs> okay, okay. Not about wrestling, though, so sorry. Yeah, not, no, it's... Sorry if you came here for the wrestling. That's yeah, this is, all, this is all Magic the Gathering and cheeseburgers now. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Whatever. We're professionals. Let's go. <laughs> okay, okay. So let's, let's jump. We'll jump back into the show. So you get... All of those mat caps, the two prism slammers, and Barry Dudinsky claims he is the mayor of merchandise before we shuffle off to Kama versus Tony Roy. And while Kama is making quick work of Tony Roy in the ring, Shawn Michaels joins us uh, on the broadcast via telephone. He's returning to the ring in Cincinnati, uh, or have had returned to the ring in Cincinnati the uh, previous weekend. Talks about being a little disoriented after the match, but he's you know thrilled for Survivor Series. He's excited to have Ahmed Johnson on his team. Uh, I have a note here that Tony Roy just looks gross. Uh, <laughs> Shawn Michaels considers himself to be friends with both Diesel and Bret Hart. I'm sure that's a friendship that's absolutely going to last 100%. Uh, Kama wins with a big right hand to the temple of Tony Roy, and Doc Hendricks is upset that Michaels didn't say hi to him. Aw. Aw. Got my feelings hurt. Do, do, do. Well. <laughs> Look, last last time we did we had the Steve Mongo McMichael impressions and the Jimmy Hart impressions for you. This week it's all going to be Doc Hendricks, folks. Uh, so And I promise I will never attempt any impressions whatsoever. I'll save you all from that. Well, okay, Leah, uh, <laughs> that's unfortunate. Uh, I think you absolutely owe us impressions now. <laughs> no, nah, nobody wants that. It's terrible. Disagree. <laughs> we'll, we'll come up with somebody for you to do a good impression of. Maybe you can do, since you are working on a Taskmaster Kevin Sullivan cosplay, maybe you can work on that. I'm working on it in my head. <laughs> there you go. So we get a preview of the following week on Raw. Razor Ramon is going to be defending the WWF Intercontinental Championship against Psycho Sid with the 1-2-3 kid as a referee. And the title will be able to change hands on a disqualification or a countout in this match. So that's very interesting. Uh, we then cut to our main event. Dr. Isaac Yankum and Jerry Lawler are out. And the Smoking Guns. Uh, we cut to them for a promo for Milton Bradley's Karate Fighters. Billy versus Bart Gunn with those Milton Bradley Karate Fighters. And Todd Pettengill is, you know, speaking of impressions, doing his worst Howard Cosell impression. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty bad. But uh, Bart has the Karate Fighter Skull Crusher, and Billy Gunn has the Karate Fighter Thunderfoot, a Native American-themed uh, karate fighter. And Bart, uh, Billy, and Thunderfoot win the Karate Fighters match. And Bart demands a rematch. We get 
Bret Hart and Hakushi out with Barry Horowitz. And we see the Gold Dust fan contingent in the audience from last week. They've got some pretty uh, pretty loud Burger King chants out there for Jerry Lawler. And Bret Hart and Isaac Yankum are starting things off. Hakushi lands a nice springboard dropkick in this match. Jerry Lawler comes in, nails the pile driver, and Jerry Lawler starts taunting. He's going for another one and spikes, I believe, uh, Bret Hart a second time. Isaac Yankum has taken full advantage of the referee being distracted, but Hart winds up breaking up a uh, Boston Crab throughout the match. And it's a it's a pretty solid tag team match with some good heel shenanigans, wouldn't you agree, Leith? Yeah, it was decent. Yeah, it's uh, like, it's it's pretty good. I, I like shenanigans. Yeah. <laughs> if you're looking to study some great heel tag team work, this is a pretty good match to hit up. Uh, but uh, at some point, Bret Hart gets the sharpshooter in on Isaac Yankum, and Jerry Lawler gets a chair. He's got a chair. And this isn't like a folding chair. This is like a hard, plastic, steel-legged, school desk chair. <laughs> it's probably more painful to sit in. But uh, Barry Horowitz comes in, and he takes the chair from Jerry Lawler, and the referee only sees Barry Horowitz with the chair threatening Lawler, and he disqualifies Bret Hart and Hakushi. Oh, man. Some, dun, dun, dun. You know, I don't really want to say shades, but this is uh, some great Eddie Guerrero kind of shenanigans that you could see. Mm. And, and, of course... Uh, Jerry Lawler and Isaac Yankum get the win via DQ, and then we start advertising a World Wrestling Federation World Tour. And for their world tour, they're going to be going to Columbus, Ohio. Right here, Columbus, Ohio. Uh, at the Columbus Convention Center, Uniondale, New York, in the Nassau Coliseum, Worcester, Massachusetts, at the Worcester Centrum, and East Rutherford, New Jersey, in the Meadowlands Arena, and of course Survivor Series at the U.S. Air Arena. So yes, a world tour. Uh, and then we get a promo for next week, promising Henry O. Godwin, eh, Henry O. Godwin versus Hunter Hearst Helmsley, and Razor Ramon versus Psycho Sid with the one, two, three kid as the referee. And that's how we close the broadcast. Any any closing thoughts on this? No. No? <laughs> Not really. Not okay. really. Just kind of uh, keep it moving wrong. Yeah. All right, Leah, hit us with the results for the next week. All right. So November 13th, 1995, with Nielsen rating of 2.6 compared to WCW Monday Nitro's 0.6 more. Venue was Keystone Center, Brandon, Manitoba, Canada. Singles match, Henry O'Godwin versus Hunter Hearst Helmsley ended in a no contest. Singles match, Ahmed Johnson defeats Jake Steele. Singles match, King Mabel with Sir Moe defeats Roy Raymond. Singles special referee match. The referee, of course, is the 1-2-3 Kid. Uh, Psycho Sid with Ted DiBiase defeating Razor Ramon. All right. So any, any opening thoughts on this particular week of Monday Night Raw? Boar? Um... <laughs> Not really. I guess we'll dive into it though as uh, as we go match by match. Okay. Yeah. Leith, any Set. any opening thoughts? No, that sounds good. 
Okay. Let's go, uh, let's go for it. Let's go for it. Let's dive head first <laughs> into this. So... We start the broadcast off with some highlights of the one, two, three kid and Razor Ramon sort of having issues over on the previously advertised WWF World Tour de Force. Uh, Gorilla Monsoon, the interim WWF president, is questioning the one, two, three kid's impartiality as a referee tonight. You know, can he be completely impartial with the drama, the issues that he and Razor Ramon have been have been grappling with? We'll see. I mean, obviously, he's going to call it down the middle because he's a totally upstanding young man. Right down the middle. Right down the middle. Serious right. business, refereeing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he does say that because, you know, he is questioning the one, two, three kids' impartiality as a referee, this match will no longer be a championship match. Mm. They took all the fun out of it. Yeah. Uh, no longer for the title. You know, the, the Million Dollar Corporation is out for some gold, and they're going to get it at some point, I'm sure. They are, they're crafty. Who's all in the corporation at this point? Because I feel like it keeps changing. Okay. And I'm not necessarily keeping up. No, that's okay. Uh, Sid, Psycho Sid. Mm-hmm. And Comma. Right. And... That's it. Really? I think Tatanka <laughs> is gone at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I think Tatanka's okay. out. Uh, Nikolai Volkov is gone at this point too, right? Mm-hmm. Like he wasn't so. really he wasn't really wrestling at this point anyway. Yeah, he was not really around at all. Yeah, so it's Psycho Sid and Kama. Those are your uh, million dollar corporation members. And with that said. We we trudge forward. We got the helicopter rooftop opening again. Hunter Hearst Helmsley is out opening the show. And uh, Henry O. Godwin comes out for their scheduled match. Hunter Hearst Helmsley is spraying perfume, you know, in the ring and just, like, trying to trying to get that sort of, like, hog farmer stench out, you know, get rid of that. That's, uh, it, I'm sure it can make it kind of distracting to try to work in the ring when, uh, you know, your opponent... Uh, reeks like a reeks like a farm. Any any anybody have any experience with that? Or have you ever had to wrestle with somebody who who stinks to high heaven? You don't have to put anybody on blast if you don't want. No, no. Um, I guess I've been lucky in that manner. Um, everybody I mean, has been relatively relatively clean. Now I do hold myself to a higher standard. You're, you're a hygienic hog. I am very a very hygienic hog. Um, always well-groomed, always aerodynamic, always smelling good, always fresh. Peak pig performance. Without question. Without question. Um, I did find this interesting, though, because it seemed like one of those things that Vince McMahon might tell a talent to do just to see if... It See gets if over it plays, this, yeah. Right, yeah, and um, like if you remember that Raw where uh, Chris Jericho bites an apple, and like he's chewing an apple during doing an interview with Terry, like it it's just a, a Vince McMahon thing, um, to give somebody for a week or two and see if it catches on or to see what they can get out of a talent. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, this was this was interesting in that regard. Now, conversely, have you ever had to wrestle somebody who's like? 
trying to use perfume either at the beginning of the match or sort of nefariously throughout? No, but I wish I had, because that would be exciting. I'd, I'd be all for some Rick Martel uh, uh, paying respects in a match. Okay, okay. It Like, it's one of those things that would definitely be... I would almost say, like, it needs more than, you know, like a single appearance to kind of get over. Like, I think it's something that could have worked. Like, yeah, like, have him do the perfume thing. Have him start doing that. Give it a name. Start making some shirts. Right? Like, that would have been cool. But, uh, you know, speaking of uh, foreign objects, getting back to the match, Hunter's, uh, you know, spraying the perfume... Henry is teasing that he's going to bring the bucket in, but he slops himself. Henry is always the worst. I hate when that happens, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in a in a in a measure of excellent psychology, which is not something you typically talk about when we're talking about Henry O. Godwin matches, he slops himself. And now Hunter doesn't <laughs> want anything to do with him. He runs. He's like, no, thank you. I'm getting out of here. This is, I'm, I'm a blue blood. I can't be doing, I can't, you know, touch you like this. This is, no, no, sir. And as he's running, he slips on the slop and falls. And it's a bad time for Hunter Hearst Helmsley. So after that, we uh, are then... Taken back to the Survivor Series Slam Jam, and Vince is teasing that I don't know, maybe maybe we'll slop Bill Clinton, maybe we'll slop the president. Laughs ahoy. Uh, <laughs> Doc Hendricks thinks the uh, main event for Survivor Series that those stipulations, you know, the no disqualification, no time limit, no countout, that these stipulations favor Diesel. Anybody got any thoughts on that? Uh, Leith, do you, do you think these, this sort of like no disqualification, no count out, no time limit, do you think that favors Diesel or Bret Hart? Well, I, I kind of liked um, later in the episode when they kind of go into the, the strategies that each person would have, like how mm-hmm. uh, D- Diesel's like going to take advantage of the no DQ and just kind of like his goal is to just win quickly and Brett's like no I'm going to take advantage of the the no time limit because Diesel can't go for like that long mm. so it's like I just kind of like that there's they're kind of on equal footing so to speak right and they're depending sort of, on how things go yeah and they're sort of getting you to ask the question like you know who who's going to be in control in this match and I think that's a really good way to to get people amped up to see this match or uh, wh- what are your thoughts on that uh completely agree with uh with what our co-host just said um he forgot my name no i did not <laughs> no i did not no um no it's leith no um but what i liked about this was that it kind of represented like each guy took his own style and went along with like how his style would help him win the match and use the rules to their advantage and not to poo-poo on wrestlers today but everyone's style tries to be a hybrid and when nobody gravitates towards a certain style and says yes this is my wheelhouse this is my strength 
and you try to make everything your strength, then you don't really get matchups like this. You don't get the styles that make matchups. Mm. So I really enjoyed this because it was classic wrestler versus brawler, power yeah. versus technical ability. I, I think there's something to be said for uh, hybrid, that sort of hybrid wrestling style like you talked. I mean, there are definitely wrestlers who, who make it work. Uh, but you're right. I mean, I think uh, something can also be said for wrestlers who find, like, a specific groove, a specific sort of style in the ring that they know works for them. Yeah, I kind of like, I like, uh, how to say it? Um, I feel like a wrestler should know as many different styles as they can, but focus on one, like one being their, like, kind of, this is what they're primary style is going to be but if they're in a bind they can shift if they like absolutely need to like you should do as much as possible but i don't want to see like everybody doing the same thing either be versed in many right proficient in like one you you want to you want to know i mean personally i want to know everything i can know like that's kind of just how i'm I'm built, but like I would want to be like, okay, this is this is what I'm best at, so this is going to be my like primary focus, and then sure. everything else is just like you know, like if you can shift, you shift mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if you need to, but like I, I I definitely like when there's like, okay, this is the technical guy, this is the the brawler, this is the the high flyer, like I like being able to know what everyone's like specialties are, right. Right. No, that's a that's a very good point. Well, let's uh, we'll, we're going to dive back in here. So Doc Hendricks then talks a little bit about the wild card matches, and we get some highlights of Psycho Sid and Ted DiBiase confronting the British Bulldog and Jim Cornette. Uh, again, just kind of talking about the Survivor Series wild card. Again, what you know, what's our strategy going to be? That sort of thing. And we get to see Ahmed Johnson doing curls in the back with a guardrail. Like some sort of maniac. That's not what you're supposed to curl with. Ah, craziness. <laughs> That's, uh, I, I would have to imagine those things are pretty heavy. Yeah, they can be. They can be. It's so, usually, usually a two person job to, uh, carry those in and out. So, uh, yeah. Ahmed Johnson is, uh, Oh, man. Yes, he is. And uh, we get some highlights of Shawn Michaels, and then we cut to Speak of the Devil, Ahmed Johnson versus Jake Steele, which, by the way, how great of a wrestling name is Jake Steele? That's, that's, a, that's great. That's a, that's a pretty great wrestler name right there. Uh, and Shawn Michaels, throughout all this, is putting over Ahmed Johnson, and we get to see Ahmed Johnson's tongue. Of all things in this match, uh, my note about that is just oh my. The things you notice that I never noticed. <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> he kind of does that like sort of like Undertaker Gene Simmons thing where he just puts the tongue right out there on Front Street. Just yeah. Yeah. So uh, myself and uh, my podcast partner uh, at Not the Tool Man Tim Taylor on Final Wrestling Place, we talked about this with Ahmed Johnson, and we kind of missed it at the time, but uh, he's supposed to be the WF's version of Michael Jordan. 
Okay, that's, he, that's he's wearing all red. He's got yeah. a bald head. He has earrings in. Uh, he does. He sticks his tongue out, which was Michael Jordan's mm. like signature while he was dunking um, yeah, or yeah. running back from from making a shot. Uh, there's a lot of Michael Jordan comparisons that can be made with Ahmed Johnson. Um, more more than just uh, oh well, he he's a black athlete. Um, there's a concerted effort to take from Michael Jordan at the time. Okay, I could see that. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Shout out to Ahmed Johnson. Uh, he seems like he would be a nice guy. Uh, we then get uh, and, and you know speak right on right on cue with what Bohr was saying. Vince starts comparing Ahmed Johnson to Michael Jordan. There we go. There we go. Full full circle so to speak, and uh, Ahmed Johnson wins with a tiger bomb, and we get an interview with Ahmed Johnson. We then get uh, Barry Dedinsky promoting a new WWF calendar for the calendar year of 1996. You can also get yourself some diesel fingerless black leather gloves and some sunglasses, and then we cut to the Bret Hart diesel interview. Uh, the first question up is, how does Diesel respond to Brett's moniker? Uh, of course, that being the best there is, best there was, best there ever will be. Diesel disagrees with Bret Hart's nickname. Says that Bret Hart has a problem uh, with losing the title to, to Bob Backlund and believes he never should have lost the title in the first place. And he talks, and we see some highlights of the uh, Royal Rumble earlier that year, 1995. And then we cut to uh, Bret Hart. Bret Hart says he respects Diesel. Says that Diesel has done well with guys his own size, but barely scrapes by against smaller technical wrestlers like himself. Again, sort of talking about what uh, we touched on earlier, where... Uh, again, you know, each one of them talking about how these stipulations are going to sort of benefit them in the match. Uh, Hart posits that Diesel is maybe dodging those smaller technical wrestlers. Uh, Diesel disputes that and says that he's going to use his power and leverage to knock Bret Hart out early. Uh, we then ask, is Bret Hart worried with the no disqualifications? And he says, yes, yes he is. He wants to try to wear Diesel down. And uh, we, we then ask, what can Diesel bring the WWF? What does a win over Bret Hart mean to Diesel? And Diesel actually puts over Bret Hart here. He says that Bret Hart's done everything twice. You know, why reach for this brass ring again? And Bret Hart says that it's certainly not the money. Uh, a possible dig at the amount they're making versus what he feels they should be making. <laughs> Uh, and then Bret Hart says his championship reign was interrupted and nobody was really decisively declared the winner in the last matches that he's had with Diesel and it's time to find out who the best is was and ever will be any any other thoughts on this interview segment that we haven't really touched on I, I actually really enjoyed it because it, it, it was one of those that kind of felt like I don't know like you you might be getting a little bit of a little bit of a shoot happening, but not, like, it was hard to tell. <laughs> sure, like it's, sort it's, of like an early work shoot. Yeah, it was, it was nicely done. One of, one of the better Bret Hart moments, as, for, as far as him talking goes. 
He's not exactly known for his mic work. Uh, bore any... No, I think when, he, when he's... Sorry. No, sorry. Go ahead, Lee, if I interrupted. I, I, I was just going to say, I think when, when Brett's talking from, like, his heart and from, like, where, like, his his knowledge is and his, like, like being the serious business Brett mm-hmm. that he is, he does a lot better than when they try to, like, make him more likable, I guess. Sure. It didn't feel as forced as some of his other promos okay. and interviews and such. Like, it just seemed more natural to him. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, it's, you know, those Bret Hart promos are not exactly famous. Uh, I was never much of a talker. He really wasn't. <laughs> Boy, <laughs> any, any, any thoughts yourself? Um. Yeah, I... To go along with Leith, I think that like Bret Hart really shined here, um, especially given the real sports feel and the you know not necessarily shooting, but the the real comments being made and alluded to. Um, and it's weird how Bret Hart is being presented, even though it's the new generation and he's a pioneer of the new generation. Like he's done everything twice. Uh, he's been doing this for over a decade, which like a decade now, like. Dolph Ziggler has been on WWE TV for over a decade, but like nobody cares. Um, like it's not it's not presented as this major feat. Um, whereas ten years in felt like an eternity. Um, so it's weird that Bret Hart is being presented as already getting ready to slide into Vince McMahon's Babe Ruth of wrestling role of like yeah. how much longer do I have left? Uh, what else is there for me to prove? Why am I doing this? Um, and he's still got a few years left. Um, but little will we know that, you know, this is definitely towards the back end of his uh, run in the World Wrestling Federation. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's, that's, those are some very good uh, thoughts on this interview segment. I, you know, I really liked it because at least, like, definitely at this point, we, we don't know how much uh, is really going on with the quote-unquote click backstage. So I thought it was really nice to see at least Diesel and Shawn Michaels both, like both, throughout at least like this month, like early on, both kind of taking the opportunity to try to put Brett over in different ways. And you know, I don't, I don't know what their relationship or anything is like now, but I would hope they're at least on uh, speaking terms, as it were. Uh, time, time tries to heal all wounds as it goes but uh yeah this was uh this was a really good interview segment i think uh again like we talked about they both really took the time to talk about what is going to make this match more of a must see than uh say maybe the competition right so we then cut to another milton bradley karate fighter segment this time it's the battle of the commentary team. Jerry the King Lawler versus Vince McMahon. Vince has Thunderfoot, and Jerry Lawler has Skull Crusher. Jerry Lawler wins, but it turns out he cheated. He tried to tape uh, his karate fighter down so it didn't go flying. And Vince McMahon is declared the winner. Uh, we then get King Mabel and Sir Moe out, and we see some highlights of King Mabel squashing the Undertaker's face. And we cut to some pre-recorded comments from The Undertaker. 
Uh, Boar, have you ever had anybody maybe maybe the size of King Mabel come down hard on your face like that? No, they don't make them that big anymore. <laughs> they really don't. Um, Thankfully. Think, um, Brian, Brian Malonis is a big boy. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, we... Uh, I wrestled him for a little bit in Supernatico. Yeah, we were watching... Uh, we were watching King of Trios from uh, season 19, and yes, okay. he is very much a big boy. That yeah, is, I think I'd, I'd say it's probably the biggest biggest dude I've been in the ring with. He is a hoss. Without question. Yeah. He's got that sort of like kingpin vibe going. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's a bad time if that happens, if that comes down on your face. I would imagine. Uh, but uh, with that said, we get uh, King Mabel in a quick squash match with Roy Raymond. And Mabel actually lands a pretty neat move here. He actually lands a float over Snapmare, which is pretty impressive for somebody his size. And he gets a big belly-to-belly suplex for the win. We then see Timothy Waters, our resident Bill Clinton impersonator again. And the 123 kid is out as our referee. Following the 123 kid out is Psycho Sid. And we get some highlights of Razor Ramon and the 123 kid versus the Smoking Guns from a couple weeks back. Razor Ramon getting them disqualified. Uh, Razor Ramon is out last. And Jerry Lawler on commentary posits that uh, the Razor. And uh, one, two, three, kid have set up the million dollar corporation for a big loss here. So Sid is getting in the kid's face, and DiBiase throughout the match is distracting the kid. But Sid manages to nail a pretty good big boot, and even a one-handed choke slam. And he, he, you know, throughout the match, he's really kind of testing the one, two, three, kid's patience. And while, uh, you know. The kid has his uh, back turned to the action in the ring. Ted DiBiase manages to nail a cheap shot on Razor. And we get some Razor chants throughout the match. Uh, DiBiase starts attacking Razor on the outside with Sid distracting the 1-2-3 kid. And as if this match, you know, as if we didn't have enough shenanigans going on already, we get Dean Douglas out. And Dean Douglas starts attacking Razor Ramon. Again, with the 1-2-3 kid distracted by Psycho Sid and Ted DiBiase. Uh, the kid starts counting Razor out, but Razor Ramon just barely beats the 10 count and makes it in. And thus far, outside of the distractions, the 1-2-3 kid has been fairly impartial in this match. Uh, consistent counts, you know, consistently like breaking things up as, as needed. Uh, Psycho Sid manages to get a really good elevated camel clutch on his opponent, Razor Ramon. And Razor Ramon counters that into a big electric chair drop. And that brings us to a point where both men are down in the ring. And the ten count starts. As the ten count goes on, both men get up. And Razor Ramon manages to nail a big diving bulldog on Psycho Sid. Gets Sid up for the razor's edge. And this is when things go to heck. The 1-2-3 kid starts to look panicked. And he pulls Sid down out of the razor's edge. Sid nails a powerbomb on Razor Ramon. And the 1-2-3 kid gets a fast count. And Psycho Sid wins. 
And as Razor Ramon lies devastated in the ring, Ted DiBiase shoves a Canadian $5 bill in Razor Ramon's mouth. (laughs) And as if that wasn't humiliating enough, and as if we didn't know whose side the kid was on, he takes the money right out of Razor Ramon's mouth. And he is sold out. He is the latest member of the Million Dollar Corporation. So to answer, to circle back to Leah's question from earlier, our members of the Million Dollar Corporation now include Ted DiBiase, the Supreme Fighting Machine, comma, Psycho Sid, and their newest acquisition, the One Two Three Kid. It's a good squad. Pretty decent. Pretty decent. Yeah. Leith, any any thoughts on this particular match? I just can't believe the one two three kid would turn his back on Razor Ramon. He was Devastate his little it. buddy. Devastated. All all for some some Canadian cash. All for some Canadian cash. <laughs> Now, Bor, you know, you mentioned uh, in our last episode talking about like guys like Sid and Diesel as some pretty big uh, offense inspirations. Did you enjoy this match? Oh, I really did. This was uh, two big guys in there going to work and putting on a really good TV main event. Um, of course, you have the, the one, two, three kid in there for uh, some drama and uh, add to the storytelling. I enjoyed this main event. I thought it was uh, pretty good, and it was... Something that probably could have been on pay-per-view had Survivor Series not been coming up. Um, this could have easily co-headlined it in your house or uh, any other major pay-per-view. Sure. But a pretty big, pretty big TV match we're getting. Yeah, it, it's a it's a pretty great match, and you know I get to see like one of my favorite moves in this match, and that's Razor's diving bulldog. That's I I've always been a big fan of like a diving bulldog like that. So I you know I was really happy to get to see that. Uh, and, th- yeah, this is a really good match. I, I would say check it out if you're a big Razor Ramon or Psycho Sid fan. Uh, or if you're just fans of big guys getting in the ring and colliding. Uh, we then, <laughs> Yeah. And we uh, then close out the show with, uh, again, another World Tour de Force promotion. They're going to be in Richmond, Virginia, Salisbury, Maryland, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, New York City, New York, Scranton, Pennsylvania, future site of The Office. And we then cut to Jim Ross interviewing Dean Douglas and a couple of others backstage. Razor interrupts and he's attacking Dean Douglas and that closes our show out. So any closing thoughts on this particular broadcast? Pretty good go-home show. Uh, going into Survivor Series, um, the timing of the one, two, three kid turn is, I guess, I want to say interesting. That's a, it's a crutch word, but it's peculiar heading into a pay-per-view. It seems like something that you'd do after a pay-per-view or at a pay-per-view. Um, but mainly, I'm super pumped to see Diesel and Bret Hart. Okay, well, we're definitely going to be talking about that in a couple minutes. Leith, any any other closing thoughts? No, that about covered it. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on to WWF WWE Survivor Series 1995, taking place on November 19th, 1995. And if you all want to hear us uh, cover this live, go back into the archives and check out our watch-along episode. So just some by-the-numbers trivia first. 
This uh, this event again took place on Sunday, November 19, 1995. The attendance was 14,500 people, earning $250,000. The buy rate is 0.57, earning uh, that's that translates to 179,000. 405 buys, and at $24.95 per buy, that's a total of $4,476,154.75 for a total box office of $4,726,154.75. Now, compare that to the competition, World Championship Wrestling's World War III, the attendance, we had 2,500 more people attending WWE Survivor Series, earning $137,000 more than WCW World War III. The buy rate, the WWE earned 0.14 more buys than WCW World War III, earning $693,401.75 more than WCW World War III. For a total box office, uh, the WWE Survivor Series 1995 earned $830,401.75 more than WCW World War III. So, Leith, why don't you hit us up with the results from that event? Uh, why am I lost? <laughs> Right, the the four on four elimination yes. tag team match. Okay, <laughs> sorry, I got like I scrolled too far or something. <laughs> Reading ahead. Yes, I do that. The body Donna's the one two three kid with Ted DiBiase, Doctor Tom Pritchard, Rad Radford, Skip with Sunny, defeat the underdogs Barry Harwitz, Bob Holly, Hakushi, and Marty Janetti. It's four on four elimination tag team match. I feel like there's going to be a whole lot of these for some reason. Mm-hmm. Aja Kong, Bertha Faye, Linus As- Asuka or Asuka? I'm going to guess Asuka because it's spelled the same way as current uh, WWE wrestler Asuka. Fair enough. Tomoko Watanabe defeat Alundra Blaze, Chaparita Asari, Kyoko Inoue, and Saki Hasegawa. S- there's a singles match, actually. One whole Gold- singles match. Got Gold Dust defeating Bam Bam Bigelow. And back to four and four elimination tag team match. You have the dark side, Fatu, Henry O'Godwin, Savio Vega, and the Undertaker defeating the Royals, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, Isaac Yankum, DDS, Jerry the King Lawler, King Mabel with Sir Mo. Four and four elimination tag team match. Ahmed Johnson, the British Bulldog with Jim Cornette, Sean Sean uh, Michaels. <laughs> Jeez, Psycho Sid with Ted DiBiase defeating Dean Douglas, Owen Hart, Razor Ramon, and Yokozuna with Mr. Fuji. And then we have our singles no disqualification match for the WWF Championship, Bret Hart defeating Diesel. All right, very cool. So, Bor, you're our guest. You got to watch this. What what did you think of this of of this event? This is one of those cards that initially I'm like, ah, 1995, not necessarily the best year for WF shows. And then I put it on, 
and I'm just pleasantly surprised from Mr. Perfect coming out to do commentary. Uh, the show has pretty good pacing to keep things moving. Um, it really relies on the strength of the last two matches, the wild card match and then the WF title match. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I understand why we don't see the wild card match anymore because it neglects a year's worth of television um, to just say, hey, these four or five guys are going to fight these four or five guys. And none of um, them really get along. Right, and none of them really get along, and there may or may not be backstory with any of them. And then after tonight, it doesn't matter at all. Mm-hmm. So I get it. Um, however, that being said, it is a very cool concept uh, and one that I enjoy that it, it, we at least had one of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, the main event, we're doing five-star matches at Final Wrestling Place. Um I cannot believe this is not a quote-unquote Dave Meltzer five-star match. <laughs> this match is beautiful. This is... It's perfect. It's a perfect match. Um, I love everything about it. It's probably... It's Kevin Nash's best match of his career. It's one of Bret Hart's best matches. It's just a wonderful performance. It's excellently executed. By all parties. Okay. Okay. Very cool. It, you know, talking about the main event for a second, I think it's really great because you have two very different styles, but really, Brett can make anyone look good in the ring, and he does here. He makes Diesel look very good, uh, and of course, Diesel to some degree helps make Brett look very good. And I think what's so interesting about this match, and I think what's something that you don't even really see a lot nowadays, is that this whole match ends in a small package. It doesn't end with, you know, the sharpshooter. It doesn't end with the jackknife. It ends with a small package pin. It's an interesting finish because, A, you know, just talking about their match here at this event, like, it adds a, like a very good layer of rivalry to Diesel and Bret Hart, right? Because mm-hmm. it's, it's, I mean, it is decisive, but it's definitely kind of out there as far as, like, what you would have expected as the finish. And it kind of goes to show, like, anything can happen in the ring. And I think that's what, what my favorite part about that finish is. Yeah, and it plays into the classic, you know, the wrestler beat the the brawler, um, and he did it with a wrestling move. Yeah, he did it with a wrestling move. Leith, any any thoughts on the main event? Yeah. Don't sound so excited. <laughs> no, I mean it's fine. It's just it's it's hard because it's like probably two of my least favorite in the ring, so it's like hard for me to get like super. Super psyched into it. I suppose all we needed to do was add Lex Luger to make it more interesting for you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe throw uh, in going. Oh, God. I would love to see that match. Fatal 4, of course, right? Of course you would. <laughs> okay, okay. Now, so, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure it's good for, for, for them, but it's just, it's just not my fave. All right, fair enough. Not, I don't know. 
So, you can go back and watch watch and listen to our other version and see if I say differently and then make yeah. fun of me later. <laughs> <laughs> now, talking about one of the other matches in the night, uh, one, two, three kid getting the first victory of the night in the, you know, the aforementioned four on four elimination tag match. One of the things I love about this survivor series in particular is that you have a, quite a few elimination tag team matches, but none of them ever really get to the point where they feel like they're dragging. Right. Uh, which I think sometimes you run into in elimination tag matches. But it's a, that's one of the things I loved about the pacing of this event. But the 1-2-3 kid gets the first pinfall of the night in the first elimination tag team match. And I haven't noted here that this is arguably the Million Dollar Corporation's biggest win of the year so far. And that's not saying much considering they've had a couple opportunities at the WWF Championship. They had an opportunity to face off against a, an NFL player, right? Hasn't been a great year for the uh, Million Dollar Corporation. But uh, it's it's a really, I, I think it's a good, solid Survivor Series. Now, Bohr, you, uh, you watched Survivor Series 1995, and you also watched WCW World War III. If you had to pick between the two of them, let's say it's, you know, little Bohr growing up. And mom's, you know, mama boar is letting you pick out a pay per view to get. Which are you getting? World War Three or Survivor Series? Oh, it's Survivor Series, and it's not even close. Uh, just, <laughs> it's a classic World Wrestling Federation staple. It's one of the big four uh, pay per views, and I, I feel like the quality of the show, the pacing, and just the quality of the last two matches alone, um, really puts this head and shoulders. And it's probably the WWF show of the year. Yeah, I'm fairly confident about that. Yeah, I okay. think this is the best pay-per-view they have all year. Um, okay. My only complaint with the show is that I think this would have been a tremendous time to rebrand the one, two, three kid and turn him into the million-dollar kid. And why oh, that did not happen, that would have been I just so don't know. good. Yeah. That, you know, in a different different universe where things went a little differently with uh, you know the clicks sort of contracts, right? The Million Dollar Kid would have been great. That's so perfect. I'm so mad at how good that name is. I know. That would have been great. I think I would have been more into that than Six. Uh, that's that's pretty, pretty good. That would have been... Yeah. Because then you could have started elevating him towards like a great like mid-card heel run. Like, even getting a shot maybe, like, at the Intercontinental yeah. Championship or something. Yeah, that would have been perfect. Ah. Oh, great idea. Great idea. Uh, so, that takes us to our next Monday Night Raw, which is WWE Monday Night Raw, November 20th, 1995. The Nielsen rating is a 2.3. And compared to WCW Monday Nitro that same night, it's actually a 0.2 less. The venue is the Richmond Coliseum in Richmond, Virginia. Our matches include a singles match, the 1-2-3 Kid with Ted DiBiase defeating Hakushi. A singles match, Skip with Sonny uh, versus 
Savio Vega ending in a no contest, and a singles match, Owen Hart with Jim Cornette versus Shawn Michaels ended in a no contest. So any opening thoughts on this particular Monday Night Raw, Boar? Way too much Shawn Michaels. Way too much Shawn Michaels. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting take. Okay, okay. Leith, any any thoughts? Uh, this episode had my favorite match of the month. Okay. So. And what was we'll get that? To that? The Owen Hart versus uh, Shawn Michaels. <laughs> okay. There's not enough Shawn Michaels. <laughs> or Owen Hart. There's never enough Owen Hart. Yeah. That's for sure. Okay. Okay. Well, let's uh, we'll dive head first into this play by play. So we got. Uh, some highlights. We opened the show with some highlights of Bret Hart and Diesel from Survivor Series. And Jerry the King Lawler is uh, complaining of a headache. Of course, because like everybody else on the Royals, he got tombstoned. Uh, but he is at least now a fan of the 1-2-3 kid. So maybe we'll stop with the uh, acne jokes and the Stridex jokes and everything. Uh, we get some highlights of the one two three kid turning on Razor Ramon, and Vince says that uh, the one two three kid's position at Survivor Series was bought. Of course, we talked about that on our on our uh, watch along. You know, he was filling in for someone, so that's a, a nice little twist to give it on top of that. You know, saying that Ted DiBiase bought kid's position for the night. Uh, we got Hakushi coming out. Uh, <laughs> Vince, Vince on commentary always refers to Hakushi as a modern-day kamikaze, and that feels just very racist uh, to call him that. Different time, pal. <laughs> it's such good stuff. Uh, but uh, following Hakushi's entrance, we get the one, two, three kid with Ted DiBiase coming out. And we actually, as, you know, they're making their way to the ring, we get some Razor chants. And speak of the devil, Razor Ramon is joining us via phone. The kid was like a little brother to him, and now he's gonna pay. Wait, was that your Razor Ramon impression? It was not a very good Razor Ramon impression, <laughs> I admit. Like, fir- like, if he was like a, like a cartoon, like, dog. Yeah. That would work. <laughs> I, I don't do a great razor remote. <laughs> admittedly. Friend of the show friend of the show, Kenny Taylor, uh, who's on Nerdfix Strangers, actually does a great razor remote impression. Uh so shout out to Kenny. But uh, you know, he's uh he's saying that the one two three kid is gonna pay. Because of course he is. You know, he uh turned his back on his on his friend for money, Canadian money even. And Marty Jannetty comes out, and we get Marty Jannetty in a leather jacket of all things. And some officials are holding him back. Of course, he wants you know he wants his own measure of revenge against the one two three kid and Ted DiBiase. And throughout the match, Hakushi winds up on the top rope, but Ted DiBiase shoves him off, and the one two three kid gets the pin. Jerry Lawler interviews Ted DiBiase and the 123 Kid, and Ted DiBiase says that the 123 Kid won single handedly at Survivor Series. And he calls uh, he calls Janetti out, and Janetti comes out. 
right? And Psycho Sid's out behind him, and we get an assault on Marty Jannetty from Psycho Sid and the One Two Three Kid. Uh, <laughs> that's right. They are putting Marty Jannetty out to pasture, and Sid does just that with a vicious power bomb. And he says that he is the master and the ruler of the world. Uh, and we then cut to the back with Doc Hendricks. Doop, 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 bringing you the slam jam. Well. Hell. Oh my gosh. He looks like the Grimace here. <laughs> He's just, got a, he's just got a big toothy grin and a purple crocheted sweater, and he is out to hang out with Ronald McDonald, looking like the Grimace. But, oh, boy. What the hell? Do you want a cheeseburger? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing can kill the Grimace. Uh... And he's putting over the next pay-per-view, which, of course, is going to be In Your House. And he's talking about Bret Hart versus the British Bulldog. You know, this is a battle of family. Uh, Bret Hart and the British Bulldog going at it. Now, now, Boar, have you ever had to wrestle any any family members? Um, I think the closest to wrestling family uh, is just friends. Uh, Juan Francisco, Dan Champion, um, Blaster McMassive. Anytime you got to wrestle buddies, it's uh, it can be a little tough. Takes a toll on you, I'm sure. Yeah. And shout out, of course, to friend of the show, Big Dan Champion. Uh, hoping, hoping he's doing well. And I'll see him. Oh, he's wrestling tomorrow. Wrestling is oh, fun. Very cool. And yeah. uh, dropping depression as well. Mm-hmm. So another great cause. Be- Go check out Dropkick Depression, everybody. And, and wrestling is fun. I'll be there. Yeah. So I'm a draw, right? Totally. Can I? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do dress up in your Kevin Sullivan outfit. This is not a thing that exists. <laughs> you need to work on that. I do. I, I have the the. I, I did get a super sparkly sequin dress. Okay. At one, that that's in my closet. So that's for, for the Sherry outfit. Yeah, yeah. There's potential there. There you go. I could do a I could do a femme ultramanus black. <laughs> go for it. I do ha- I apparently do have one of his masks, like the whatever. Somebody bought one like years ago. And it's in oh, my nice. basement. Yeah. <laughs> oh, very cool. But that that that's about it for wrestling cosplay I could do at this very moment. I'm I'm gonna try to get this show uploaded tomorrow. I make no promises, but everybody should go check out Wrestling Is Fun and also Dropkick Depression. Yeah, the uh, Wrestling Is Fun is back. Yeah, they've been gone forever, and uh, there'll be more shows coming up. So keep an eye on that too. Yeah, absolutely. Follow, follow them because it's it's fun. It's fun. They got bananas. It's right in that they couldn't even put it in the name if it wasn't fun. Yeah. Like wrestling is like fun and stuff. Do it. Yeah. Go. Go check it out. And uh tomorrow's show will be over in time that you can go to both that and dropkick if oh. you're Unfortunately I did not I don't have a ride home for Dropkick, mm. so I can't go. 
Like, I could go, but then I would just be stuck there for, and like, then, ever. Yeah. <laughs> they would, I would just they have would, to, like, move in. Yeah, they would pack <laughs> you in with the ring. You don't want that. Yeah, yeah. So, I can't go to Dropkick tomorrow, but I'll be at wrestling. It's fun. Yeah. You'll be there in spirit. So, uh, Doc Hendricks is putting over Bret Hart versus the British Bulldog, and he talks about their Wembley Stadium match from a couple years ago. And we get a British Bulldog promo. And then uh, the Grimace is putting over an Arkansas hog pin match that's going to take place at In Your House between Henry O. Godwin and Hunter Hearst Helmsley, billed as HOG versus HHH. So probably the first time we've seen it kind of as Triple H like that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we then cut to uh, Diesel. He's here. He's in the building. And he's just shoving random people in the back. And, of course, Doc Hendricks also takes a minute to explain to us what an Arkansas hog pen match is. If you get out... Well, hell, let me tell you. Oh, my God. Tell us, Doc. Why, why am I surprised every time? Well, what is an <laughs> Arkansas hog pen match? Well, it's when me and Terry, oh, doot, 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 we're in the hog pen doing all sorts of things. And, well, you know, you get the gist of it, but doot, doot, doot. <laughs> Close. Uh, the hog pen <laughs> match is if you get out of the ring throughout the course of the match and you get thrown into an actual hog pen with pigs, you lose. Now, uh, I take it, Boar, you've never been in a hog pen match, but is that something on your on your maybe bucket list? So we came very close to being able to convince a certain someone to uh, let us do a hog pin match at, uh, I believe this was the Palmer Center. Mm-hmm. Um, myself and Thunderfrog really want to do a hog pen match. Um, so it was in the works, um, but it got stopped, unfortunately. Mm. Well, that's unfortunate. But there's still hope. There's still hope. You're still wrestling. You can still make it happen. We'll keep our we'll keep our fingers crossed for you. There's other promotions that might be for it. You never know. Yeah, I mean, you never know. Wrestling is fun. Is literally fun. Just tell them how much fun this would be. I feel like this is my specialty match, and I can bring it with me wherever I want. Yeah. So maybe I'll have to utilize that in 2020. Hell in a hog pin. There you go. That's free, I'm by for the way. It. Use it. Uh, I'm, I'm for it. <laughs> so we then get to see the body Donnas, and then we also get to see Diesel and Shawn Michaels in the back. And again, we're promoting the WWF World Tour to Force. And I have it noted here that this is something I, I thought was really interesting. So throughout, of course, like this whole month, and, you know, Leith, we've seen this uh, a little bit here and there uh, throughout the year with the WWF, them sort of like promoting their tours and where they're going to be and everything. We don't really see WCW tour promos like this from what we've watched, like, even on Nitro. Uh, and in an in an era largely without internet, maybe that wasn't really smart. Nitro and pay-per-views, I mean, those were at least touring, right? They were traveling, they were going city to city. Uh, Bore, Leith, any any thoughts on that? Yeah, I don't really ever remember seeing Nitro 
at least in the early stages, advertising where they were going to be next week or, like, ticket info. Now, I know more on, like, worldwide and syndicated television, they would pump out a lot of that. But I don't remember seeing too much uh, on the national TV mm-hmm. um, promotion for their own events. So that's something that the WWF definitely had um, an edge on was self-promotion yeah. and letting yeah. people know where they were going to be. I think that's something that they've, like, WWF slash E has been good at from, like, the beginning. Like, they've always self-promotion and just, like, knowing what merch to go with kind of thing. Yeah. They're they're good at that aspect of things, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, just just a sort of interesting dichotomy there. Uh, we then get uh, Sabio Vega coming out, and the mayor of merchandise is back. Barry Dudinsky is promoting one of the coolest uh, pieces of merchandise you can find, WWF denim jackets. There's an Undertaker one, a Diesel one, a Shawn Michaels one, and a Bret Hart one. Any thoughts on some denim jackets like that? Surprised they're not back. Everything else is. Yeah, I, I think there's definitely a market for it now. Oh. Denim is back in. Jackets are cool. Like you so, can buy yeah. like fanny packs at like normal stores in the mall now. Like, why not go for it? Bring, I could see a Johnny. I could see a Johnny Gargano like jean jacket. Sure, with like the the sort of like uh, bomb or Mister Wrestling logo he's got like on the back. That would be really cool. Yeah. That that's one I could see for sure. Like of like all the wrestlers, he would definitely have one. Bring them back, you cowards! Ah, it cost a fortune. Hey, they're making six thousand uh, dollars Bray Wyatt titles out here, so yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> that's a thing. <laughs> wow. Fantastic. So yeah, I, I feel like the jean jean jacket should be out in short order. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a feeling it'll happen before long. If if they do, they definitely owe us like a like a fee of some sort. That's never feel- gonna happen. <laughs> I <You're> mean, dreaming. <laughs> stranger things have happened. So we uh, we get to see one of Leith's favorites, Bob Backlund, campaigning for his uh, presidential run. Bohr, would you have voted for Bob Backlund if he ran? Uh, see, that would have been heading into the 1996 election, which would have been Bill Clinton and Bob Dole. So whether Backlund was a third party or going with the uh, GOP, uh, Mr. Backlund would probably have my vote at the time. Okay. But I don't know. Bill, Bill kind of had the economy with calculators. Ooh, yeah. yeah. That, that, that was my... I was all for it until he's like, no calculators. And I'm like, nah, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah Bob, not, a, I'm not that confident one. in my my math skills. Yeah, Bob would have been a pretty uh, he he would have definitely been on the right wing side of things, as it were. Uh, he's uh, he seems like he's a pretty conservative individual, and he hates calculators. Mm. And he's never eaten the marijuana. He's never yeah. And, you know, calculators make math happen, folks. That's how those work. 
Uh, so you can also spell stuff. Yeah. <laughs> We're very yeah. pro calculator on this show. <laughs> we need one for for our time and wrestling dimension and space machine, you see. We couldn't make time travel happen without a calculator. Yeah, we just type in like 1995 and hit like Yeah. <laughs> there are several buttons on our very special calculator that let us that make time travel possible. We we can't tell you all the secrets. Yeah. Got to protect the business. So <laughs> Diesel is out, and he just straight up assaults Skip. There's no bell <laughs> for this match. Yeah. And he gets a mic, and he starts apologizing to Bret Hart and his fans. And then, psych, I don't think so. <laughs> he says that, uh, you know, since he lost the title, this is the first time he smiled in a year. Because he finally saw himself in the mirror, and not some corporate puppet that you, Vince, tried to create. And this is possibly like the first acknowledgement on screen of Vince's position. And we yeah, e- I think so. Yeah, and Diesel's even like even though this is kind of like right before the Attitude Era. Diesel's kind of pushing that sort of, like, narrative, right? That sort of, like, I'm not going to be your stooge kind of narrative. You know, screw the boss, I'm, I'm going to do my thing. And, you know, he pushes that even further, saying that, uh, uh, you know, he was up in Titan Towers with marketing suits and telling him he needs to smile more and be more PC and be more corporate. And he's not going to do that. Big Daddy Cool is back. And he's only smacking hands with black gloves. So you better get you some black gloves if you want to give Diesel a high five. So any any thoughts on this particular promo? Do, do, do. Leah? <laughs> I guess not, man. I don't know. Okay. Like, oh, wow. Yeah, I got, I got nothing. Okay, Boar, any, any thoughts? This is one of the greatest promos of all time. <laughs> okay, okay. It's fantastic. Um, it immediately lets Diesel get his heat back from losing the title after holding it for better part a of a year. Yeah, right. Um, just days short of a year. Um, losing it in a great match to Brett, but this gives him something new to do. Um, it is a new twist on an old character. Um, you can always go back. You can always go back and you can always find a way to make it new. Uh, I like how he calls out the marketing team for not knowing how to market him and not knowing how to sell, you know, the black gloves and Hey, like I'll sell the black gloves. You're only getting a high five from me. If you have the black glove on, I'm not out here high fiving everybody like, that's a way to sell black glove. Like I want a diesel black leather gloves because <laughs> I wanted to show I was with diesel and that he had my support. Um, yeah, I love everything about this. This is great. Uh, he's got fire in his belly and this is really the start of a fantastic run for Kevin Nash from, I'd say the night before survivor series till, I mean, really, I don't think this, this run really loses momentum until finger poke of doom. 
Yeah, okay. I, I, okay. I think this is the height of his powers right here. Okay. Now, growing up, Boar, did you have any... Did you have the, the black gloves? Uh, uh, so, I did not have the black leather gloves, unfortunately. I was able to get a pair of Hitman shades. Ooh. So, it was, it was a tough choice, um, but I was able to get a Brett shirt and the Hitman shades. Um, okay, okay. When I went to a went to a house show. Well, that's real cool. I mean, did you did you get them at the merch stand, or were you lucky enough to get a pair of wraparound oh, no. shades from the man himself? Oh no, they were uh, they were a merch stand. It okay. was right after. This would have been like May. It would have been like May '96. So, okay. Unfortunately, he was already on a sabbatical filming sure. a Lonesome Dove. <laughs> so, uh, oh, I hope we get to watch some Lonesome Dove here on the show. <laughs> I'm thinking we might. Oh man. We'll, we'll have yeah, to it was make actually, that happen. Uh, I think it was the last weekend that Razor Ramon was uh, on the road with the WWF. Okay, yeah, that would have been right about that time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I guess likewise, I think Nash only had another week or so, and then he was going to wrap up as well. So mm-hmm. uh, I was able to, I guess, go to a historic, uh, historic house show. Yeah. Uh, it was the night right before the curtain call, actually. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That's a that's a pretty significant event. Okay, yeah, very cool, very cool. Well, let's uh, we'll dive back into the show here. So after Diesel, you know, ends his promo saying he's only going to smack those hands, what's got the black gloves on him, we get some Sur- Survivor Series highlights, and uh, we get Kama. And Kama is going to be putting his urn and, er, you know, what's the gold chain, really, that was melted down from the urn up against The Undertaker the following week. And Brother Love is going to be back on the show. Because he loves you. Mm. <laughs> and we're going to get, uh, after that, we get Owen Hart out and Shawn Michaels out. And the ladies do love them some Shawn. He is pretty over with the female fans. That's one thing I never got. You know, you and my wife both. You and my wife both just... are just like, I don't get the, the appeal of, of the heartbreak kid. Uh, I guess I'm, I'm like generally that way with pretty much everybody, though. <laughs> my my wife is it's like whatever guy like the girls are always like, oh, he says you whatever. I'm like, eh, like my, okay. <laughs> my wife gets some uh, gets some heart eyes for proletariat boar of Moldova. Oh shucks. <laughs> oh shucks. She calls. She calls you her boar friend. Oh snaps! All right, in the game. <laughs> but um, I was I was uh, I was watching the show um, over again, and uh, my girlfriend was watching with me. And uh, this is kind of one of the first times she's seen like this era Shawn Michaels, where it's mm-hmm. like obnoxious, over the top, uh, dancing babyface Shawn. That's sort of like um, David Lee Roth Shawn Michaels. Oh, it's but so much worse. Like I love David Lee Roth, and I just cannot stand, <laughs> cannot stand this era of Shawn Michaels. And she's watching, and she goes like, "What's his deal?" <laughs> 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 yeah, had no answer. 
Like, this is he's the most charismatic. The most like oh, Vince is just gushing all over Shawn Michaels. I'm getting ahead of myself here, but uh, <laughs> continue. Okay. Yeah. Well, the uh, the See, late... I, sorry, go ahead. I, I don't mind the Shawn Michaels, but like the the big thing, the big thing for me in this matchup is just how he and Owen Hart kind of play off each other. Like Owen's one of my favorites for sure. So like I, I like Sean's in ring work more than him, I guess. <laughs> I, I think this is certainly a good uh Shawn Michaels match for nineteen ninety five. Uh you know, definitely this era of Sean is very much more in your face and it's only gonna get worse as we transition into things like the Attitude Era and D Generation X, but uh nah. this is he, uh, he had his demons and all that yeah. too, so I don't know whereabouts in that journey he was at this point. Um, Probably deep. Yeah. But overall, like, this match was really, really fun for me. Mm. I, I enjoyed it. It was like, it just felt like every, like they both came came to fight, came to win. Yeah. It, it just, it's a very competitive, good match. And uh, there, there are some really great moments in this match. At one point, a fan is uh, actually tossing trash in the ring. And Cornette being a consummate, uh, well, maybe not so much anymore, but uh, at least uh, that's a whole other thing. We're not going to dive into that. (laughs) Suffice to say, Jim Cornette has said some awful things. He resigned from his position in the NWA, and that's a good thing. Clearly there are some NWA management issues that also need to be worked out. And uh, he has said those same awful things back in 1995, too. So, but we're not here to focus on that. We're here to talk about Jim Cornette, the character, as a manager. We don't condone anything he said. But uh, there's a a great moment in the match, like I said, where somebody's tossing trash in the ring, and Jim Cornette uses his uh, tennis racket to get it out. And it's actually just like a really great, I think it was a really interesting thing because, you know, he's able to get it out without making it look like he's trying to get it out. You know, he's not, like, obvious about it or anything. He just looks like Jim Cornette doing his thing. Uh, There's a a beautiful German suplex from Owen Hart with a pin, uh, but, uh, of course, that doesn't end the match. Shawn Michaels gets a signature, you know, some signature right hands and a flying forearm into his opponent, Owen Hart, and at some point, the turnbuckle gets exposed. Uh, now, Boar, have you ever had any experience with an exposed turnbuckle? I have. absolutely have. Um, it cost me uh, the Shikara Grand Championship against Juan Francisco. That's right. That's right, it did. That was a great match up until that it point, was. unfortunately. And then yeah. uh, it was also really cool to see a week later, uh, Roman Reigns and The Miz do the same exact finish uh, hmm. <laughs> hmm. Uh, on uh, Raw 1000, I think it was. Hmm. So yeah, that was or not one thousand. What was the uh, where they had it in like uh, the two different venues? Yeah, whatever that was. I, I didn't some, realize I that. Then again, I oh, wasn't yeah. watching that. Uh, that oh problem. yeah, there was a uh, plenty of. Now maybe that's just because I work like uh, a certain big dog and, and try to emulate some of the the things he does. I don't know, but uh, yeah, it's we, we did a cool finish first. Yeah, there's uh. <laughs> 
as my as my wife likes to say when I'm talking about my comic book stuff, there's no such thing as an original idea mm. anymore. But uh, if anything, I would I would take it as either flattery or uh, you know just uh, chalking it up to sometimes writers, sometimes creators, sometimes people think alike. Yeah, it happens. yeah, great minds think alike. That's right. Uh, so the exposed turnbuckle, you know, kind of coming back to that, that that has to hurt pretty bad, I, I imagine. That's pretty devastating. Without question. Yeah, that's a that's a good way to get your to get your bell rung, as it were, uh, pun intended. And the exposed, you know, Shawn Michaels gets, uh, I believe, whipped into the exposed turnbuckle, and we then get an enziguri from Owen Hart. And Michaels manages to skin the cat, and it's, you know, Shawn Michaels is over at this point. He might be, you know, like Boar said, he might be a little bit in your face, might be obnoxious, but it is at least getting over with the crowd. The crowd is resonating with uh, Shawn Michaels. It works for this era. Yeah. Everybody's all hopped up on Surge, Jolt, (laughs) other 90s soda beverages. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. Shawn, Shawn Michaels definitely had a surge problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's what it was. Exactly that and nothing else. Totally. Uh, but uh, this is where things kind of start to take a turn. You know, Michaels is over and he goes to sort of do his signature pose and he just passes out. <laughs> Entirely. Uh, and, and Earl Hebner is kind of brushing Michaels with his feet, trying to check on him. And things kind of start to get a little scary here. Vince is in the ring. We get doctors out. We got the oxygen mask and tank. And there's no commentary throughout any of this. So this is a very kind of early sort of like worked shoot uh, in a lot of ways. And, you know, when I was explaining to my wife about about this whole thing, like, you know, this was... uh, this was all part of the story. This wasn't like Michaels didn't legitimately pass out or anything. And <laughs> she was explaining that, wow, Vince is kind of a dick for toying with people's emotions like that. Uh, but uh, I think if you're if you're a kid, if you're uh, young, or if you don't know any, I mean, this would have been scary to see somebody like pass out in the ring like that. What, what do you guys think? Uh, I will. Uh, I'll defer to Leith on this one. It, it. I don't know. It's hard for me because it's like I. I feel like I'd know too much. I. I don't know if I would have like bought into it. Even even like as a little one. Yeah, because like even then I knew like how movies were made and stuff, and I knew about like like okay. like all of the behind the scenes stuff because that was my interest. Like I wanted sure. to be an actress when I was like three, so it's like I always studied that kind of stuff and learned about it so for me if it was like on tv unless it was like a an event like the olympics or something like it wouldn't have been like i wouldn't have seen it as real Mm. i would have seen it as acting so i'm kind of a, a weird judge for that kind of stuff okay 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 bore any any other thoughts well, I was just a young boy at this time, 
Um, and I knew what was up with uh, pro wrestling. Um, there would be some things that would happen that would like really pique my interest, and I could uh, get caught up in the moment. But overall, like I, I knew that it was a, a show and entertainment. Um, but when this happened to Shawn Michaels, I was exceedingly glad. Um, <laughs> I have never been a Shawn Michaels fan. Uh, was definitely I think we're, I think we've gathered yeah. that, yeah. Um, Bor and I have very different tastes in wrestlers, <laughs> it would seem. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he goes down, and I'm just happy because I know I know what an angle is when I see it, and I know that I'm not gonna have to see Shawn Michaels for quite some time on my television uh, wrestling. So I was I was really happy about it. Um, I was like, good, like, Owen Hart did something good, he still did it for, like, his brother, he did it for the Hart family, uh, you know, he's putting the number on Shawn Michaels, this is good, maybe Owen Hart can, like, get a title shot now, um, yeah, just, this over-the-top Shawn Michaels, it, it just needed to go away, and I wasn't a fan of it, and, um, unfortunately, he's gonna come back just in time to magically win the Royal Rumble, and, Ah, dash my childhood dreams while his childhood dream comes true. Spoiler alerts. Yeah, so. <laughs> that was like that year Cena was injured and he came back just in time to win the Rumble. He was like Except entrance number like 30 and I was just like, everybody was like so mad. We went to see it at like a, some like restaurant bar place was like playing it and like the collective like groans was so funny and like everyone would just like left they're all like all all pissed off <laughs> it's like really like him again like why but i liked that one i liked that one because it was a legitimate injury whereas this one like uh sean michaels got beat up by some fake sailors outside of a bar when he was someplace he shouldn't have been uh and then now we gotta you know let him rest up to go win the royal rumble like ugh, just ugh, ugh away okay enough okay enough yeah all right well those are some those are certainly some thoughts uh yeah i mean and send your hate tweets to that boys war <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah we, we all have our our favorites and our least favorites we all are going to have some hot takes. Yeah, yeah. We all have people we we just prefer not to see wrestle. Sure. It's fine. Absolutely. No, no need for hate. <laughs> we like to, we, we want to try to focus on the positive. So, you know, at least we Unless got... Unless the hate is funny. Right. And then we can hate. <laughs> at least we got a good Diesel promo out of this month. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it was okay. And the other little touch I, touch I liked on the show was uh, before Sean's match, you get him and Diesel hanging out backstage like after after Diesel does the promo, and you see Diesel leave, which explains why he doesn't come out and check on his little fallen buddy. Right. Like, I thought that was a nice touch. Yeah, and I mean, they even like alluded to this a couple weeks ago where Sean's talking about how well, like, I returned to the ring, but I was feeling maybe a little dizzy afterwards. Mm-hmm. You know, so they were definitely... The, the hints were there. Uh, yeah, it wasn't completely out of the blue. It was like, things might not be 100% with him right. already. 
Right, absolutely. So, Leah, that brings us to our last week of Monday Night Raw. Hit us with those results. So that would be November 27th, 1995, Nielsen rating of 2.3 compared to WCW Monday Nitro, 0.2 less. Uh, Venue was Richmond Coliseum, Richmond, Virginia. We had a singles match with Ahmed Johnson defeating Rad Radford. Tag team match with Aja Kong and Tamako Watanabe defeating Alundra Blaze and Kyoko Inoue. I always say that one wrong. Inoue. Inoue? I think it's Inoue. Annoy, right? I am sorry. I am bad at the names sometimes. Singles folks, match. We're we're just a bunch <laughs> of uh, we're just a bunch of white folks. Our mouths are dumb. We don't. We might not know how to say some of these names, and for that we apologize. But anyway, continue, Leah. <laughs> Singles match with Hunter Hearst Helmsley defeating John Crystal. And a singles match, The Undertaker with Paul Bear defeating Sir Mo with Kama and Ted DiBiase. All right. So, Boar, any, any thoughts on this particular Monday Night Raw? The return of Brother Love. <laughs> I was very excited for the return of Brother Love as a kid. Um, always one of my favorite characters. Didn't understand why they didn't use him more. Um, I, I realized I had the King's Court and other things. Um, the Heartbreak Hotel and stuff like that. But uh, this is some pretty good usage of Brother Love, and um, I, he's not going to be around for a long time, but definitely going to enjoy it. Yeah, a- absolutely. Uh, Brother Love is always a treat. Leith, any any thoughts on this? Overall, just, again, they have, like, a Japanese women's match that nobody knows how to call. There's some odd comments during. It's like, so some some cringy stuff, but it's not like there is some cringy stuff in this particular episode. Absolutely, is it? I mean, it was a good match. It's just at this point, they still don't know what to do with women's wrestling. It's very mm-hmm. frustrating as a a female fan <laughs> to watch. Hey, but at least you got like four women's matches this whole month. I know it's a lot for for this t- era. Yeah. Even so. if they have no idea what they're they're calling or saying or doing, like the women at least can kick butt and s- still like bring it. Yeah, and honestly, those uh, those might have been some some match of the month uh, candidates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, anytime you got Aja Kong in there, is you know it's gonna be good. <laughs> <laughs> Aja Kong is always a treat. So. Yes. Let's dive into the show. Uh, We open up with some highlights of Shawn Michaels' collapse. Uh, Vince McMahon promises promises, uh, an update on Shawn Michaels later in the evening. And uh, Undertaker versus Kama for what's left of the urn. That's something we're definitely promoting, you know, Undertaker wanting to get his uh, urn and subsequent powers back. Uh, we get Rad Radford doing jumping jacks on his way to the ring, and bless his heart. I feel like I look at like Rad Radford when I go to the gym. Schlubby, but trying. I'm cool. Yeah. I mean, gotta you at least got to put yourself out there. Uh, so we then get uh, some promises that Bret Hart is going to be interviewed by Brother Love, and... 
you know, uh, Vince is talking about Brother Love's weight. Our first cringy thing of the night. Uh, Ahmed Johnson is uh, going to be uh, again in action. We get. Uh, I just have a note here that said Rad Radford is going to have a bad time. <laughs> <laughs> but we at least get to see again one of our favorites on the show, Bob Backlund, in the audience. And uh, there's actually a fan club sign for the Body Donnas. And Vince is talking about Rad Radford wanting to be a Body Donna. Ahmed Johnson gets a big scissors kick and then follows that up with a big bicycle kick and a just a colossal spine buster. And he then closes out the match with the Pearl River Plunge. Jerry Lawler begins interviewing Ahmed. But uh, he's really not so much interviewing Ahmed Johnson as he is stirring the pot for Dean Douglas. And with that, Dean Douglas comes out and Ahmed uh, challenges Douglas to step in the ring with him. And the refs are actually holding Dean Douglas back. We get a promo for the WWF World Tour de Force. And Vince has given us an update on Shawn Michaels. He says that, uh, you know, as we cut to some highlights of Shawn Michaels, Vince talks about the attack by the... uh, you know, again, the 40 or so Marines that Shawn Michaels had to fend off, his road to re- <laughs> his road to recovery, the blows to the head, and what he's suffering from uh, is post-concussion syndrome. Uh, of course, that's uh, you know something. Concussions are serious business, folks. Uh, be on the yeah, lookout for I, that. It, they need to like up the importance of like I don't know like. Concussions are, are, you know, they're brain injuries. Like, that's kind yeah. of a big deal. It, it takes a long time to, to for your brain to heal. I think they said it's like up to a year for a brain yeah. to heal, like, properly. And to, like, keep so many people that just keep having concussions and damaging your brain, like, over and over again. It's not, it's not going to go well. Serious business, folks. Watch out for that. Protect your heads. Protect your necks. We're looking at you, Razor. (laughs) Uh, Specifically, Razor Hawk. Let me clarify that we're not talking about Razor (laughs) Ramon. Razor Ramon. (laughs) (laughs) Wrestle Mom says just watch yourself. Look out for them flippy doos. In fact, don't even do the flippy doos because they're stupid anyway. Yeah, don't. <laughs> if if Russell Mom catches you doing that in the house, you're grounded. <laughs> so we then, after after we get an update on the Heartbreak Kid, we then get our you know the aforementioned women's match again, a great match, Aja Kong and Tomoko Watanabe with uh, facing off against Alundra Blaze and Kyoko Inoue. Bor, what did what did you think of this match? This is a pretty good match. What do you think of it? Uh, they kept it moving. Um, definitely some, I don't say spots, but some just some moments of missed opportunity to keep a lunge of blaze out of the match. Like that's something I really noticed. Just, um, just some of the ladies weren't there where they needed to be. Um, but overall, like we're not used to seeing this kind of. Uh, exciting action and this pace of a match, uh, especially for women's matches in the WWF. Sure. Um, so, 
It's still Breath of Fresh Air, and it's unfortunate that this is kind of going to be wrapping down um, just due to, you know, people not being able to make the tours and um, at the time, you know, just a lack of talent. Like, you had to go international, and the international people had, you know, priorities at home uh, in Japan. Um, so uh, it's it's been a good run. It's It's been a fun run, and unfortunately it's going to be too long before we see more action like this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it is a great match. I, I would encourage everybody to, to uh, check this out. Uh, but I, I will throw up a warning here. Uh, unfortunately, the commentary is, you know, we talked about things being kind of cringeworthy here. That's uh, This is going to be one of those times. Uh, Vince throws to Barry Dedinsky, who's going to be shilling a Bret Hart shirt, and calls him Hop Sing Dedinsky. Whew. And then we get Jerry Lawler with some really gross fat comments uh, on commentary. Just altogether, I mean, if you're going to watch this, maybe mute the commentary. But uh, it's, a, yeah. it's a pretty great match. Uh, so it's really interesting, you know, like... Uh, commentary doesn't add anything to it, because they don't even know what the heck is happening, like, in the match. I remember right. them getting, like, they got really excited about, like, a surfboard at one point. It was a pretty good And then they, like, couldn't stretch. really, like call it comment yeah they couldn't really call like anything so it's like yeah. there's the commentary is pointless yeah it was uh it was not great the commentary but it, it did not add anything it, it more hurt detracted it. yeah i would say so yeah but uh it, it is really interesting like we touched on to see both uh wcw monday nitro and wwe monday night raw at this point sort of experimenting with Joshi and Japanese women's wrestling. Uh, Inoue is the wrestler who had that beautiful surfboard stretch locked on in the match. So, again, it's a really good match. What's what's interesting here is that uh, as this is going on, Vince McMahon on commentary says that there's going to be trouble in River City, a Music Man reference. Now, that, <laughs> now this is interesting because... This same night, November 27th, 1995, uh, of course, WCW Monday Night uh, Monday Nitro is airing parallel to this, right? And Eric Bischoff makes the same comment over on Monday Nitro uh, after the main event. You know, there's that, uh, that Sting-Hogan sort of confrontation going on uh, at the at the end of the show on Nitro, right after uh, the confrontation between Hoger, eh, Hoger, Hogan, <laughs> Hoger, uh, Hogan and Luger, Bischoff says that uh, everything is fine in River City. So we got a Music Man reference on Monday Night Raw and on Monday Nitro on the same nights but with Bischoff saying it later in the evening and Vince McMahon saying it first. So I, th I just think that's a really interesting kind of parallel that you you wouldn't even expect. Well, the, the fight to stay topical. Right? And if there's anything topical in 1995, it's the music man. Uh, but of course... Trouble starts with T, is part of that song. That's a whole different show. Uh, so we get some highlights <laughs> of Diesel and Bret Hart 
uh, sort of the post-match. You know, Diesel with uh, the several power bombs to Bret Hart after he had won. And they talk about how Diesel was heavily fined and reprimanded by Gorilla Monsoon. Uh, now, Boar, have you ever have you ever been fined for any of your actions, either in a match or post-match? Uh, no, I would not allow for such a thing to happen. That's good. That's good. You're you're a working pig. You know they they shouldn't be coming after you anyway. Yeah, I'm not looking to do extra work. Once the match is over, the match is over. I'm not. You know, yeah. I'll get paid for after the bell. That's right. You're not you're not there by the hour. So we then uh, get some highlights of Diesel's promo last week, and that brings us to Brother Love, because he loves you. And uh, as Brother Love is getting ready to interview Bret Hart, Vince McMahon insults Brother Love's weight twice in about ten seconds. Uh Brother Love talks about how Brett is scared of The Undertaker and that Brett doesn't know love. And, of course, while this is all going on, Brother Love has a Bob Backlund for president uh, button or pin on his lapel. Uh, so we know... I, Sorry. I find it interesting that they always, like, they comment on, on certain people's weight in, like, a negative way, but, like, when you get to the size of, like, Yokozuna and, like... King Mabel, then you're impressive. Yes. Right. It's like you have to either be much smaller than that or get to that point. But anything in between is like you're going to get made fun of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brett calls. Just, sorry, go strange. ahead, Leah. Yeah. Uh, just keep interrupting me. It's okay. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, no, I just I just found that very odd. <laughs> yeah, that that is a really weird sort of uh, again, just sort of thing that, that they kind of have a habit of doing, you're right. It's like, well, Yokozuna and Mabel could probably kill them, so <laughs> they're not gonna they're not gonna make fun of them. Right, right. Uh, okay, yeah, no, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's you're right. Uh, so that, we cut back to the interview and we see Brett and he's calling Diesel cheap. So so much for all that uh, all that respect he had for Diesel, and Bob Backlund comes out and he's locking in the crossface chicken wing on Bret Hart, and the referees come out and they're separating them. Uh, Bore any any thoughts on this segment? Um, I thought it was pretty good. Um, it it was a, a new way to probably get to what I would imagine would be another TV match between Bret and uh, Bob Backlund as we kind of kill time before we get to the Rumble. Mm-hmm. Um, so I liked it I liked it um, and I'm always here for Brother Love you can always make time for Brother Love Leif any, any other thoughts on this segment? no okay I think that was about it alright well we uh, get to our next match uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley's coming out and we uh, as he's coming out we cut to Henry O. Godwin a promo from the hog man. And he's got little piggies. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm a sucker for, for adorable animals. Uh, and Triple H wins his, uh, his match with, of course, the pedigree. That patented finishing maneuver. And Jim Cornette and Owen Hart are promoting an open contract match. Uh, Kama comes out with Ted DiBiase and he's on crutches. 
Ted DiBiase says that Kama can't wrestle tonight. Uh, you know, because he's he's hurt, twisted his ankle or something. But uh, don't worry. You know, he's got a substitute, and he has paid for the services tonight of one Sir Mo. And uh, as he's uh, putting over, you know, Sir Mo is going to be filling in for uh, Kama. We get some highlights of what we're going to see next week. Dean Douglas versus Razor Ramon in a rematch for the Intercontinental Championship. And The Undertaker makes his way out to the ring. Kama and Ted DiBiase uh, start attacking Undertaker on the outside. It was all a ruse, you see. They were diabolical is what that is. Uh, And Undertaker is getting attacked on the outside, but uh, he eventually is able to to get up to his feet, and he goes after Kama, and he's eventually back in the ring with Kama, but uh, Kama ducks out. No, sir. Not going to wrestle tonight. You get Sir Mo, Ted and Kama leave, and Undertaker with a chokeslam makes quick work of Sir Mo. But, of course, this brings out Sir Mo's compatriot and liege King Mabel, as uh, King Mabel comes out, he tries to steal the chain that uh, Kama had left, but Undertaker beats him to it. And as if Undertaker didn't have his hands full enough with one, we get another super heavyweight, Yokozuna. Yokozuna is out. And this is that's a whole lot of hoss <laughs> for one ring. Uh, King Mabel attacks Paul Bearer, stealing the chain back. Uh, of course, Yokozuna with the distraction there. And King Mabel runs off, or runs as much as King Mabel can. And we then close the show, promoting next week Marty Jannetty versus Psycho Sid, and again, Razor Ramon versus Dean Douglas for the Intercontinental Championship. So, any closing thoughts on this particular broadcast? Boar? They just did a pretty good job. Um wrapping up Survivor Series, and then trying to make things interesting um, going into the Royal Rumble, um, but kind of you got to stop it December for the pay-per-view uh, in your house. Um, so, it was yeah, it's better. To me, this Raw is better than the two Raws that we had at the beginning of the month. Okay. Um, just... Getting things ready for next week, getting things ready for the pay-per-view. Sure. Um, even if we're rehashing old things, freshening it up, and get, finding a new way to get there. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed this. Very good. Leith, any any closing thoughts on this particular broadcast? Um, overall, not not too much. I mean, it it's rough knowing that the the women's matches will go the way they go. It's just, uh, I don't know. I wish there was more of them. And you want them to be better. Yeah, I do. I mean. And that's fair. That's, I it, mean. It, it's, it's tough because it's like when I was, you know, growing up watching it, there's like almost no one to like look up to. Sure. It's like you kind of had to look up to the, to the guys because there weren't really women on the TV. Right. Representation mm-hmm. is important. So yeah. it's just it's it's nice to like kind of like go back and 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 see a women's match, but then to hear like the commentary over it is just frustrating. Cause mm-hmm. It's like wh- why? <laughs> like they're so they're so fantastic, and they 
can do all these amazing things, but they get, like, no love here. No love. Okay. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a, that's a very fair point. And again, representation is important, folks. Yeah, and and not just, like, I don't know, because, like, like, most of the women that like, they had out were just, like, primarily managers and valets and stuff, and it's just... I was always kind of a tomboy. Like, I wanted to be the one, like, beating people up. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's much more my style. So, yeah, it kind of, it was rough. Okay, yeah. Uh, again, you, you all of those are, are really good points. Uh, well, that brings us to, to the end of November 1995, and, of course, we have our, our snapshot for the month. Overall... The uh, WWE November snapshot breaks down uh, with ratings victories in November two nights, November 6, 1995, and November 13, 1995. Two nights out of four nights total for the month. Pay-per-view victory, yes, the WWE uh, earned significantly more than WCW on their uh, pay-per-view show. And, of course, they, uh, they would have at least earned uh, baby boars by as well. <laughs> Without question. Without question. Uh, the average rating for the WWE in November of 1995, as far as Monday Night Raw goes, is a 2.45. And that average rating compared to World Championship Wrestling's average rating is a 0.2 more than WCW. So the WWE sort of eking out a victory as far as uh, ratings go for that month. So with that said, uh, do we have any closing thoughts on the month as a whole, uh, Boar? Um, I think the beginning of the month starts out pretty slow, but uh, things start picking up as we go into Survivor Series, and then coming out of Survivor Series, we've got 1-2-3 Kid turning, we've got Diesel uh, kind of going uh, Lots of different route. wheels turning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we've got Shawn Michaels is out of the picture, thankfully, for a little bit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so things are happening in the World Wrestling Federation. Um, we're, I feel like, slowly digging out of the hole that the WF crawled into in 94 and for the most part in 95. Okay, very cool. Uh, Leith, what about you? Any any closing thoughts? I just feel like we're we're definitely entering like a transitional period like you everything feels like it's starting to shift but it hasn't gone you know like full attitude era yet or anything like that it's just things are changing quite a bit from like where we started like the show to like this point it's everything's definitely a lot different (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh yeah, no, I mean, you're right. That's uh, that's a really good point. Absolutely. And again, like you said, you know, one of the one of the most disappointing things is just knowing sort of, again, like the direction the women's division is going to take. Yeah, it, it's it, it, the fact that it's taken so long to kind of get out of that at all, you know. Like, we're in 2019, and it's like, finally, the women's women's wrestling is getting like what it deserves to some degree <laughs> like <laughs> like why did it take so long right i mean again that's a that's a really good point uh yeah 
And with that said, uh, I would suppose my uh, closing thoughts for the month of November 1995, you know, it was, uh, again, we're starting to see some gears turning, like Boris said, a lot of different character turns, a lot of sort of interesting things happening, even like on the lower and mid card, right? Like we're even seeing that Mm -hmm. sort of like pushed versus uh, World Championship Wrestling, which isn't doing really much with its undercard, uh, despite having a lot of talent there. Right? Yeah, it, it's feeling like uh, less cartoony. Like WWE is definitely stepping away from that like Saturday morning cartoon vibe that right. it had for so long. Everything's a little more serious. Everything seems like like they're trying to make every match more meaningful. Mm-hmm. And I don't think WCW's hit that stride quite yet. Sure, they're still just talking about Hogan half the time. <laughs> If if Poochie, you know, isn't on screen, all the other <laughs> characters should be asking, "Where's Poochie?" <laughs> it's it's oh, that I sort of it. it's that yeah. sort of mentality, and I kind of uh, to be fair, I'm kind of stealing that from The Simpsons and a uh, friend of the show, one of the uh, WCW podcasts. But I mean, that's accurate. Uh, that's, yeah, very very much so. That's kind of their mentality with this whole thing. But uh, I think it's been a show. But before we go, Borg, you mentioned uh, your your podcast a couple times here. Tell us a little bit about wrestling, uh, Final Wrestling Place, and what that is. Yeah, Final Wrestling Place. Uh, myself and uh, my buddy at Not the Toolman, Tim Taylor, um, go into a deep dive about whatever subject we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And. Um, this week we're covering, or the yes, for the next few weeks we're covering five star matches, uh, as rated by one Dave Meltzer. Um, but we kind of go through subjects and we put them, uh, we evaluate them, and we put them either in a good place or a bad place. And we keep a running list of all wrestling related things that are in the good place and in the bad place. And we try to keep it lighthearted and entertaining and overall mostly positive. Um, so it's not going to be your, you know, your Monday Night Raw or NXT recap or anything like that. Um, it's a, it's a lot of old school stuff. So. Um, yeah, if you have extra time in your podcast rotation or want to check it out, uh, check out Final Wrestling Place. Very cool. Very cool. And where can people find Final Wrestling Place on Twitter? That is at Final Place Pod on Twitter. And then you can also follow me at Boar's War on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, not the Toolman Tim Taylor is also on Twitter, is he not? Yes, he, he is, was. I, I'm like he was. I remember talking <laughs> to him on there. <laughs> no, yep, he's I, a very cool guy. He's definitely a good dude. Very, um, very fun to talk to. Knows knows his stuff. Knows his stuff about everything. Dude, yeah. Dude's all around it. <laughs> well, very cool. Very cool. And don't forget to check out, folks. Don't forget to check out. Wrestling is fun. Dropkick depression. Chikara, check out Proletariat Boar of Moldova on the independent scene. Go give them a follow. Also, don't forget to check out the charity stream we mentioned earlier. Friend of the show, Adam, at Ginger Pimpernel and Wrestling Without Context, those Twitters, and the Beatson Cancer Charity at BeatsonCancerCharity.org. So check out all those great folks. And, and uh, Drop in srguniverse.com one more time. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Special shout-outs to friends of the show, Dan Champion, and many, many more. And 
Just just Dan Champion. <laughs> just Dan Champion. No, Dan Champion, Razorhawk, Cobalt, all of those guys. Shout-outs to them. And, of course, we want to thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we hope you have a good holiday coming up, a good, safe holiday, whatever it is you celebrate. Or even if you don't celebrate, we hope you have a, a good day off. And we want to thank you for joining us back here in November of 1995. Bye, everybody. Yeah. I'm working, studying, struggling year after year. You know how I'm working, studying, struggling year after year. No matter how hard life is. You're fired, Claudia. I have to. <laughs> no matter how difficult things are. Oh, Mom. We've talked it out like adults because we're not jerks and we fully realize this is a major step. Safely. And not in the car. Happy Thanksgiving, Mom. There's one place you can always go that's worse. Ah, smile, smile. Claudia Larson is going home for the holidays. Henry! I can see your roots, Claudia. When you see your father's organ, he can't keep his hands off it. Dear Lord, we realize just lately everything's been changing too damn fast. And all sorts of things are always the same, even things we hated, like shoveling the turkey and stuffing the snow. This is ridiculous. Aunt Gladys waiting. We gotta go. Come on. Come on, I'm serious. <laughs> you have to soak this whole tablecloth in vinegar and lemon juice now, Mother, and right away. I have to burn it in hell. That's a sporty necklace. You make that yourself? From Luke. Paramount Pictures presents a film by Jodie Foster. When you go home, do you look around and wonder, who are these people? Where did I even come from? Oh! Here's to us. That's my car, man. What are you doing? What the? Americans. Into the house. Everyone. Before we're in the evening news. Let's go out and keep eating, okay? It'll be okay if we just stuff ourselves till we can't even think anymore. Home for the holidays. Mom, do you like spot lovers together? 